attention. The movie guys love movies. Any comments about the nationwide clamor for more Star Wars are purely for entertainment purposes only. Isn't that right, Kim Jong-un? Are we allowed to talk about it? What, what's the what's See, the rule now? What he did was... Oh, we could talk about North oh, Korea. Kim Jong-un oh. detonated a nuclear bomb. Right. Just, Spoiler alert. Just because he wants more Star Wars? My voice goes up at the end there? <laughs> no. Oh. No, he we're did that because his the... penis is small. What happened? <laughs> and we're going to reenact the Star Wars program to fight the evil commie nukes. Yeah. The Star Wars defense platform from oh, the 80s. You should know about this. This is a Reagan joke. Yeah. Oh, you How should, did you not get if, that? Nobody. <laughs> How did Grandpa Caius not get the Reagan joke? <laughs> wow. But I do have a legitimate question about no. when we're allowed to talk about Star Wars. Oh, without no. spoilers, but are we allowed to freely talk about it throughout the show today? Maybe we'll call this spo- uh, a Star Wars okay. spoiler I show. I think it's going to happen naturally. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. Okay. Oh, we will I have, have a section to... towards the end where we really roundtable. Okay, because okay. I have things to say. Don't oh. mention don't mention that Admiral Akbar dies. Don't do that. <laughs> we'll because we'll <laughs> say spoilers before we do that. What? Oh, they kill Rocky? <laughs> Does Lobot live? <laughs> All right. Does All right. Lobot live? <laughs> hey, welcome to the movie showcast, everybody. Part of the vast and sprawling movie guys empire, and we're sorry we laughed at you that time. You got diarrhea at Barnes and Nobles, and we're sorry for telling everyone, and we're sorry for repeating it just now. You've reached. You promised, Paul. You know I get the poops when I go to Barnes and Nobles. Anytime near, it's got to be the smell of books. I do, and then I I know where all of the bathrooms are in the bookstores. But you think for a second, does this place have one? Like you wouldn't think they they automatically have one. Because I'm not the only pooper, book pooper. You should fight Mm -hmm. for literacy and continence. (laughs) <laughs> start a uh, start a uh, charity. <laughs> You've reached ground zero for all things movies and comedy. We bring the two together right here on our show every week with jokes, rants, sketches, characters, banter, bits, special guests, and more as we broadcast from our studio, the Admirals Club, in the heart of Burbank Airport's flyover zone. They don't stop making movies, so we don't stop making comedy shows about movies, which means you can get a new show every week at themovieguys.net or go to iTunes or Stitcher, SoundCloud, Vimeo, YouTube, whatever. Absolutely free. You mean go to the internet, Paul? And you'll find it for free. Basically, we're out there, and we encourage you to subscribe, especially at iTunes. Share and like posts, rate us, leave a comment. We appreciate it. And if you do, still. It's been a while, and it feels like that would cost me something. Would it, Paul? Oh, I understand. In the new year, you might think we've changed our... Yeah, ra- our rates go up at the end of the rate year. rate table yeah. may have... Adju- still free. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> a 100% increase from zero. <laughs> exactly. We're also on WBAD.net, Fridays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Basically, search the movie guys on Google, Yahoo, or... Bing! Bing! And we come right up. I'm your host for the hardest working comedy show in the airwaves, Paul Preston, here with Bart Caius. You should know better than to walk into somebody's house and start hitting everybody with your Rex Harrison hat. <laughs> Karen Volpe. I got a split. The mayor wants to rap with me. <laughs> and Adam Witt. Many Bothans died to bring you this podcast. We're going to burn through a couple of movie previews here, uh, new releases, as only we do. And uh, then we'll bring in this week's guest, Ooh. the founder of The Blacklist, the website and publication of Hollywood's most liked unproduced screenplays. So I have cool. questions. Yeah, this so is be fun. cool. Franklin Leonard will be Yay. here. Yay. Franklin Leonard. Some real Hollywood royalty. You've heard of this thing, The Blacklist, so we'll get to the bottom. I got all that, confused uh, thinking it was a TV show. I thought Black James Spader was going to be on the show. The Blackish. Right. Black- <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, you just confused everybody. Uh, we'll have him in here talk about how the whole thing works second half of the show. But first, 
this week's new movies. Oh, good. Mm. Just when you thought it was safe to go back into an actual Japanese forest known for suicides, <gasps> it's <Yeah>. The Forest. <laughs> the Forest Weird. is coming out, and Tom Hardy in Treacherous Natural Conditions year continues with <laughs> the Mad Max Fury Road star appearing in The Revenant. What happened? We did what we had to do. He was very bright. And someone in this room has seen it. And Very I'm, exciting. And I'm back to not knowing what Tom Hardy looks like. Thanks a lot, <laughs> Thanks a lot Tom Hardy. Right? Just when I thought I could pick him out of a lineup um, in the, what was the gangster movie? Legend. The Legend. I'm like, okay, there's his face. And two of them. Unobscured. Yeah. Dude, yeah. you saw his face for an hour and a half in a car, and you don't I know what he looks like. I still don't know what he looks like. Yes, he another had... chance to, in the credits, go, oh, it's Tom Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he's the only one on screen. And we're like, oh, that, oh yeah, yeah, Tom Hardy. Yeah, I Tom. realized this was an Inception reunion. Oh, uh, Hardy and oh, yeah. DiCaprio, right. oh, yeah. and that together, but um, but no Ellen Page in this one. <laughs> Sorry, Adam. <laughs> They've uglied up uh, Leo pretty good in this one. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. right. He's Ug- got like the these damn movies ugly, pussy yeah. filled lips, and uh, like it looks horrible. Yeah. Yes, that's true. You know, romantic ladies he goes through hell in this. Yeah, hilariously in the in like the eighties. You would be buried in the woods and have to go a 200 mile journey dehydrated. You'd look just great. You'd look just fine. Van Damme's muscles would be sparkling. Uh-huh. Uh, one more thing before we get into these previews. Uh, Rotoflix is back. Yes. Oh. I don't know if you're playing it out there. If you're not, it is I the am. fantasy football for movies. Paul, what yes. do I do? If you, I finally figured out my password. Yes. Now I have to declare something. Now it's too late. Ah, it is too late. Is under I email you and go. I'm like, no. I can tell I'm screwing up again. <laughs> I will like. I would like to announce that I am <sighs> easily winning the league, yeah. and nah. I have just put up my lineup, and I'm going to totally now, who, kill everybody in the Golden Globes. Who'd you play last week? Then? Uh oh. oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I pl- well, I don't even know. I don't know. I I'd, I'd pick Carol, right? The movie Carol. Okay. So that's doing great. And then Tom. And the director of Carol. What's his name? Tom something. I don't uh, even okay. know. Uh, Handy or something. Uh, no. Tom Hardy. It's no. like Tom Hardy. It's something I like that. Told you what it was? Two seconds. Todd, 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 Haynes. Haynes. Todd, Haynes. Todd Haynes. And then my, I have all. And then I have Sylvester Stallone. People are loving him. Then oh, okay. I played Mad Max. That got all sorts of love. Did they get a re-release or something? I, no, no, I it was Critics' Choice Awards. It was crazy. Oh, playing for, and you get to start an actor, Whoa, actress, that's director, right. picture, and three wild cards, which can be any category. Yeah. Karen was the only person who every hit in every category. category. I missed by one. Michael Keaton did not get a Critics' Choice Award nomination. Okay, but most everything else, the Martian, I had Ridley Scott, Leo, and some uh, Rooney Mara. Mm-hmm. But Karen, so you played it safe. Up. She went for the. Uh, I went Mad Max, and then today I drafted Star Wars, just because in the future is one more uh, round where it could be nominated because people just love that it made a lot of money. Mm. The Oscars, yeah. Yeah. Adam could still win a Critics' Choice Award Mm -hmm. nomination because the movie was added as an eleventh nomination to the Critics Award uh, Critics' Choice Award nominees after they came out. Before the movie was released, yeah. movie was released, they added it as a number eleventh. Uh, that's nominee. some chicanery. That's that's some uh, <laughs> shenanigans, right? It's, it's both. Sh- it's both. But how can you win any of these roto flicks when there are no Tom Cruise movies out there? That you, you're not a winner, there's and, a and I agree with you because everyone no, loses when there's no there's Tom Cruise. There's no movie. Bill Murray movies Bart. either, so I agree with you. There's a Tom Cruise movie. It's just not being nominated. <gasps> I'm sorry. 
What, what could that possibly be? I'm sorry. I just should, I should mention though that chicanery is my favorite bar in Tarzana. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> first up for the chicaneries. First <laughs> the first big weekend of the year here is our first movie. Let's see. It's a 2015 movie going into wide release. The Revenant. Now is this a movie? A question we always oh, ask. Hmm. Let's cut right to the chase. True story. Yep. Based on a book. Great. We're off and running. Adam, a, let's do this. A whole bunch of movies. Way to start the year, buddy. <laughs> what do you name your movie when somebody's already <laughs> taken the name Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Road Chip? The Revenant. Oh, brilliant. Here's a terrible way to begin a high school essay, but a great way to begin this preview. Webster's Dictionary defines The Revenant as a person who returns in spirit after death. See also Peyton Manning. Or Val Kilmer. This movie is about a plains drifting minister who's just as quick on the draw as he is with quoting a Bible verse. I'm sorry, Wait, I think you're what? confused. You're hmm? thinking of The Reverend, which, oh, oh, which okay. is a movie that doesn't exist. <gasps> oh, this is The Revenant. <laughs> ah, that's The Revenant. The Revenant. Okay, this is the one that tells the story of Hugh Jass. No, 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 no. You're thinking of the Kim Kardashian story. Oh, <laughs> oh no, I think that one's actually called The Irrelevant. Oh. Hugh Jass. No, somebody check the men's room for a Hugh Jass. The Revenant actually tells the story of Hugh Glass. Glass. A frontiersman and explorer back when you could die of everything, and everything was out to kill you, but especially bears. Glass is abandoned by his explorer compatriots, led by Tom Hardy, who realize they are closer to being cavemen than they are to modern medicine at a time when a pimple could turn gangrene because they hadn't invented not being dirty and gross all the time. Oh, that old story. So they leave, they leave him for dead, as you might too. In 2016, because he was attacked by a bear. <laughs> because even now, there's no cure for that. <laughs> ah, so it's a feel-good story. Well, after the big short and the hateful eight and concussion, this is a great way to start off a new year. They tried to liven it up uh, here in the film and add some levity with a narrator. Here's a clip. There's a larger, more implacable adversary out there. The people's world and civilization. He only has mockery and contempt for it. His rage is almost incandescent artistic. Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> sheds his reputation as a handsome baby Good. face faster than Justin Bieber can try and retain his. Critics are already giving DiCaprio awards for his riveting performance, but when you consider the brutal weather conditions he's worked in, it's not like he had much choice. <laughs> or as my Uncle Donnie would say, hey, that ain't acting, he's just freezing up there. <laughs> But for all his bravura performance, I fear I will spend the whole movie wondering just how badly that beard smells. Bing! I was just writing down stinky movie right here. You wish these were in smell vision and then oh. you don't. Then you quickly don't. That's amazing, uh, Adam. Directed by Academy Award winner Alejandro G. Inaritu. Who gave this son of a bitch his green card? This movie looks like it's going to be really good. But also looks like it was a miserable pain in the ass to make. Mm -hmm. yeah. Taking place in the winter of 1823 in the wilderness of the Louisiana Purchase, everything and everyone in this movie looks cold, wet, and dirty. <laughs> there doesn't seem to be a single scene where everyone isn't completely freezing their balls off. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Hardy and DiCaprio's next project isn't about two retired detectives on vacation in the Bahamas trying to solve the mystery of the secret margarita recipe at the local white sand beach. <laughs> the Revenant. Here's another movie that looks good enough to make people want to learn the meaning of a new word. You know, like Maleficent. Annamalisa, or Fargo. <laughs> the Revenant, not to be confused with the Slubber de Gullion. Well, now that's not even close. Right. <laughs> you get it wrong, but that's just way wrong. Uh, Did you make up that word? No, that's a real word. Slubber de Gullion. And what does that mean? I don't know. 
<laughs> How do you know it's real? You didn't get it. I looked up, I looked up funny long sounding oh, okay. words or something. I just did a Google search. But not the definition, just the word. Right. Well, I, 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 the definition was there, but I didn't care. I was writing jokes. <laughs> <laughs> the definition served me no purpose. Um, Paul and I what went What am I going to do with that? We were in the Bahamas and we were learning about pirates and we learned the word Salamagundi. Ooh. And that is when you're on the ship and there's nothing left to eat. So whatever sort of comes by, birds, fish, Poop, whatever, you, whatever you put in a pot <laughs> and it's Salamagundi. Mm. Slubber de Gullion. Uh, improv group or uh, ska band? Ska, ska band. band. Ska band, yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great uh, game. I'm going to see the shit out of this. Oh, and probably uh, tomorrow because it's going wide. Friday, which means they do that Thursday night thing, so I'll probably mm-hmm. go at like eight o'clock. So uh, there's there's what we call uh, this is probably a term that's new to a lot of people buzz on uh, yeah. a lot of buzz around. Oh, he Leo. knows this term. We've got an expert buzz. in the room. He, like, he knows he knows your 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 plugged into TMZ over there. Oh yeah, I got I got the lingo down. <laughs> buzz. Um, so I'm curious to see this because I really thought The Departed was Leo's premier work. I thought that mm. was that is tough. How to does narrow he narrow down? I'm a big fan of his. I'm a, like Blood Diamond. Django, yeah, he, he is just, Gilbert Grape. It's tough to, to, but that's a great one to depart it, man. When, he's, when so, is he, he's so all yeah. just un, he's unbridled in that movie. I've got to add. When that is he gonna list. just start doing his Rocky and Bullwinkles? Like at some point, he's just gonna stop and just go. All right, I'm <laughs> well, doing Alvin and the Chipmunks. He's here. got his finances in order. That's the problem. <laughs> he, does? Yeah. he doesn't have a bunch of mortgages or ex-wives to he pay for. Yes, he hasn't been right? divorced because he doesn't marry him. That's yeah. the difference oh. between him and Tiger Woods. He did the right thing. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited to see this. It does. Yeah, right. It looks miserable. Grandpa Caius is gonna, you know, take a sweater because everyone looks cold in it. And, and, oh, you know, I'm wearing. I don't like gloves. movies in which I'm I, gonna get uncomfortable yeah. watching you get wet and cold and dirty. But yeah, this uh, Inaritu, and I'm sure I'm pronouncing them correctly. Uh, he has always been a very stylized director from his early work, like Twenty One Grams. That's him, right? Yeah. And but I think his movies have become more and more appealing to me as he's gone along. So I'm glad all that style is going into stories and stuff. I, I want to enjoy. I, I want to enjoy more. He keeps making super challenging pictures. I mean, Birdman and Gravity. I mean, come on. Gravity is Quaron. A Quaron. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about same, to, same DP though. Well, I was about to say when you said twenty grams, I was like, it's either him or Quaron. I don't know. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. you get them confused. Who made Babel? Is challenging. That yeah, yeah okay. one of the two. Challenging, artsy, yet yeah. popular pictures. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully I can connect with this one. Maybe that's the thing. In past movies of his, I didn't like. I didn't quite get into it. But like Reagan Tom, Reagan Thompson, right in uh, Birdman. Yeah, that guy. You're just you're feeling for him all like the whole movie. But it's like this. It's like it's like he wants to make. Everybody always looks at nostalgic at the '70s movies and they go, ah, oh, this challenging time where you were just allowed to do anything. For Inarito, it's it. That's all he does. Do it's it like anyway. he's, it, he, the '70s are back. For it can be done, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. For those who don't want, again, the road chip is out there. And also, I'm a huge fan of. Uh, I love Apocalypse Now, and I love uh, um, uh, what's the Herzog movie with the boat over the uh, the, the, the Fitzcarraldo. Fitzcarraldo. You know where the filmmaker goes into the woods and goes a little crazy, <laughs> yeah. and actually the experience of being in that environment ends up in the film. And I heard this this one is this all yeah. over this movie. They went too far afield with too little food and too much cold, and yeah, that's just it. It's all on the picture. Yeah. Wow. And I hear the bear attack scene is like one of the scenes of the year. So. And and in real life, a guy got mauled by a bear. Well, back no, when anything could kill you. Yeah, I mean the the bear scene's a big concern with the peta people, right? Um, but it's digital, I'm sure. Right? Is it? Well, because I, I I read that no Leonardo's were hurt in the making. Yeah. Of well, that's movie. very important. That's, really that's more, the lot of people. That's more what we care about. Yeah, that's more, yeah. yeah, we're really concerned about the DiCaprios. How are they handled mm-hmm. in the film? 
All right, well, let's get on to our second and final new movie of the week. No models were mauled in the uh, course of shooting. With Lightly them. groped, but no models were mauled. Uh, this film is The Forest. And if you didn't see this movie the first time it was made, when it was called Forest of the Living Dead, no. well, here's your chance to not see it all over again. Hmm. Barth? <laughs> Good news, shut-ins. Why is, why is everyone looking at me? Mm-hmm. Going outside is scary week continues with <laughs> The Forest. This movie is set in Japan in the yes Okigahara Forest. I think you nailed that. I think I did. I don't think you nailed Inaritu, but that's you got it. <laughs> yeah, it's a silent A. I don't know how that okay, uh, This is a place where people go to die. You know, kind of like Florida. Oh. Here is the plot. One of a pair of identical twin sisters has gone missing. Creepy. That's a creepy mystery. No, no, twins. There's just something creepy about someone there's two of. (laughs) Okay, Paul, I actually saw this trailer, and one of the twins goes hiking into the forest in Japan, and it's called the Suicide Forest. What What could could possibly possibly go go right? Also, I should mention, the Suicide Forest is my favorite clothing store when Hot Hot Topic is closed. (laughs) Now, I haven't paid enough attention to the trailer to figure out uh, just uh, who is who, but I do know that the twin sisters are Sarah and Jess Price, Mm -hmm. and they're and they share a Corsican Brothers-like connection. Both Sarah and Jess Price are portrayed by the same actress, and so the story goes when Sarah or Jess goes into the forest of death to get what she deserves, Sarah or Jess gets creeped out and (laughs) decides to go look for her sister, Sarah or Jess, to get what she deserves. My sister, Jess, and I, we're identical twins. When something happens to one of us, the other one can tell. It's hard to explain, but I can just feel it. Yes, hard to explain. Unless, of course, you've seen the movie The Corsican Brothers starring Cheech and Chong. Twins so close, they actually had each other's feelings. So that even when they fought, they truly felt for each other. Oh my god, that's a creep. (laughs) I see the the twin sisters share a psychic link like Tomax and Zaymat. I'm holding for the one guy that gets that <laughs> to uh, stop laughing and leave a positive review on iTunes. There you go. That's but I'll view. take this second to continue to enjoy the confirmation that twins are still creepy, Paul. <laughs> All right, well, let's play a quick game of Guess What Happens Next. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Okay, okay. The forest is very dangerous. Hmm. Do not leave the path. You cannot stay after dark. I'm not leaving without my sister. So, movie guys, what happens next? Mm, she leaves the path. She stays after dark. Correct. It's a horror movie, isn't it? <laughs> there you go. The trailer amazing. begs the viewer over and over to stay on the path. Stay, <laughs> stay on, on the, the path. path. For God's sake, take the stairs. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> And once in the forest, Sarah or Jess makes all the wrong decisions, including not staying on the path, staying after dark, and wiping with the wrong leaves. That'll do it. (laughs) All of which lead to terrifying consequences. The actress playing both twins is Natalie Dormer, who I don't know, but whose name sounds kind of familiar. So I'm assuming she's on Game of Thrones. (laughs) You know, Paul, you make that joke a lot, but it should be noted that Natalie Dormer is on the Game of Thrones. (laughs) Oh, then maybe I'll get around to it then. After the wire, which I'll never get around to. The Suicide Forest was the setting for Forest of the Living Dead, as we mentioned, but it was also the setting for Grave Halloween and Sea of Trees. Okay. Ayuki Gahara, the hottest new scary thing for movies since Krampus. Are we running out of things to be scary in horror movies? Hardly. The Suitcase. Ah, don't touch that conveyor belt! 
The paper bag. You can't fight your way out. The thing you use to close the potato chips with. Get the clip and the grip and the plastic part. We don't have a joke here. We just think that device alone will cause nightmares. Now, the film comes with the hashtag, the forest is real, which we already knew because my personal friend Tom Cruise told me. The syndicate is real. Or the syndicate, either. Either one. I mean, actually, you guys joke, but I'm actually kind of excited about the premise because I think it brings back the classic Blair Witch style danger of the haunted forest with all the psychological underpinnings of a modern paranormal thriller. I, I think it's this is exactly what you'd expect from Blumhouse Productions, and I will see anything that they make. Adam, this is not from Blumhouse. Mm-mm. Yeah, well then, screw it. I'll go see Star Wars again. Good all right, there you go. <laughs> Does seem like they'd make it. It does. Uh, yeah. uh, well, I, you know, now because they'll they'll put out about five movies a year sometimes. So you, yeah. The next yeah. horror movie, I'm like, it could, there's a very good chance it's a Blumhouse movie. Fifty percent chance. Yeah. Yeah. And they are batting a hundred percent. Is there a bad Blumhouse movie? Oh, yeah. Well, there's definitely not one that didn't make money, so that's right. yeah. Well, well, right? that's yeah. true. <laughs> I didn't like I didn't like Unfriended. That's yeah. Early on, there was a bad oh, one. Oh, okay. I didn't see that, that one. Yeah, yeah, maybe there's that some plenty of house. They made that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're they're foray into porn. I even <laughs> like the gallows. House. I even like the gallows. <laughs> yeah, I remember you saying that. Was that good. was well. That that's movie pass because otherwise I'm not gonna go right. just go see the gallows. But it turns out, uh, our way. Are we talking about this movie yet? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, which what? one? All right, I just had a point to make, but You're I going out of Star I, Wars. I, I think I no 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 no. Oh, I, oh I'm sorry. No no no. no we're I, talking I, about the forest no, no, of in course. context. Okay, yeah. yeah. Are um, we talking about this yet? That's all we're talking about. Okay, okay, okay. We're trying to. No, well, yeah, yeah. Um, we're on the part of the script that says discussion. Mm. Thank you, Bart. <laughs> I should have paid attention to that instead of improvising here with the rest of the cast. No, I, I, but it, I went to go see The Gallows because MoviePass exists, and, and sometimes I have some time to, to kill, and I go see a movie now. Thank you, MoviePass. But <laughs> I, what I forgot was, as big a horror fan as I am, I was very behind in this Blumhouse era, which is really kind of what we're... The paranormal era of horror is where we're at right now. And, and at least that production level that they've kind of defined and made their mark. Uh, and I went to go see The Gallows, which is not the first thing you'd see. It was kind of like a minor release. It was just kind of like, all right, we need a horror movie this month. Just like you need an animated children's movie every month. And sure. it kind of was checklist, shaky cam, checklist, point of view, shaky dark, cam. The haunted place. But I forgot that that horror, now that I'm seeing more horror movies because of, of, uh, of movie pass, uh, it, it's. I forgot that horror movies are like baseball, way better in person. You've got the <laughs> whole crowd there. Everyone's reacting. Everyone's enjoying. Even when it's cheesy. So I saw Insidious three. You're as well. drunk. You're right. drunk. <laughs> Much like baseball. <laughs> Actually, Paul went to Star Wars and someone poured beer on him. Yeah. So what? it's just like Star Wars. Like One of those theaters. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. Like, like intentionally? Poor no. Guy. I just woke up. In a, or I woke up. Woke Sorry. That's not what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> I should tell you what you need to know. About I got up a little when it was over. Freudian slip. And just, there was beer on my thing. I was like, what the? Oh, I think wow. it happened as someone was leaving. I was oh. like, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see any of those. I still haven't seen any of the Insidious movies. I know you say they're great. They're very enjoyable. And that's the thing. Insidious 3, definitely the least of the series. And really kind of just by rote, just put out there. But the thing is, they're doing horror movie things you know if a person gets too far you know looks too far off this side of the camera or whatever you know when the camera moves there's something right there or if they turn around or whatever but the audience also knows all that stuff like especially insidious 3 because it's very by rote you you see their bits it's just like improv you go oh that's their bit Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) you see them doing their bit 
But everybody in the audience, we're all we're all fans. So we, we all start tittering and kind of enjoying this moment because we know this is leading up to the big scare. But it, yeah, it's like baseball. It's way better in person with a crowd. <laughs> uh, okay, so all I've talked about is Blumhouse. Um, they didn't make this. <laughs> Which is why it's Adam asked. Adam two, asked. Two reminders about that. We so that's one. Ask. Two is a hey, movie pass is Netflix for the theaters. If you want yeah, to pick up a movie artist. pass and go to a movie every day for a flat rate of uh, you know a flat monthly rate, go to themovieguys.net, click on our link through, they, and then get and, yourself a movie pass. And by the way, they just changed their policy. They raised the rate a little bit, but they just changed their policy, and this is key. Oh, yes. what is it? You can now see a movie a day. Big difference from seeing a movie every 24 hours. Oh, see great. A at, see a movie at 9 at p.m., see a movie at 12.30 You sure can. <laughs> yeah. And oh. sometimes that's what my schedule demands. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's cool. Yeah. All right. 24 hours thing wasn't the... working. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Okay. Yep. Every day. I will say about this movie, I was surprised by how many times it had been made. Because it sounds like ripe yeah, fodder, yeah. right? It sounds like that. a great premise. It is the Krampus of, 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 of forests. Right? But it exists. <laughs> it really is this place. If you've ever any done any Google go on it, it's a whole, uh, there's all see, these graphic almost, images. Is there a documentary? That's yes. kind of what I want to see. Well, say. that's probably yeah. the thing to do, yeah. So fact, are you saying that when you walk into the forest, you see people just hanging? Yes. <laughs> no, not right away. You got you know, there's you got to get yeah. the stars map of the stars you know, for <laughs> dead people. But there are there are corpses in there. But there was one video wow. we found on YouTube after we clicked. Yeah. We saw the trailer and you know the lineup on YouTube of all the other things you can click. And there was one guy just sort of filming, but he wasn't talking, so you heard like. It was of his really feet creepy. The leaves, and he's just filming stuff, and you see where like people left their things before they killed themselves. Yes. Whoa. And, and like, you see ah. a person still in the process of am I going to kill myself or not? Just sitting there thinking. Yeah, I mean, or yeah. visiting where someone died. Either Somebody way, just, like, quietly. They just like stumble upon a guy who's thinking about yeah, this might be. And they yeah. stay away from him, but it's kind of like seeing a bear in the woods. It's uh, creepy. It's like, like the right, bridge. I'm going. I'm Thankfully, going. they didn't yeah. say anything, you know, because if most yeah. YouTube videos, the guy would be like, "Oh shit, that guy's with a chicken, dude," you know, like, and he'd be some douche, but. He just left it quiet, and it was just creepy. So yeah. I think I'd like to see the documentary about that. He didn't try to talk him out of it? I don't know. I don't know what it was. Oh, Would that you? brings me to my point. Okay, so I know we haven't seen the movie. And Would you be, be there? <laughs> Would you this leave will, America? <laughs> this will be your right No, 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 and no. And this will probably be explained in the movie. It's just me thinking about it. But um, I love that they set it up that the two twins completely can tell each other what's going yeah, on, what's happening, cool. this and that. And I just have a problem believing that it takes so long before the twin realizes the other twin is going to kill herself before she starts to sense like I'm nervous about going through you know the security screening now I'm trying to go across the country you know like I go on a plane and you could tell that something's going on and I get all nervous and mm -hmm. I'm starting to have you I'm know, not even your twin and yeah, I pick up and on you know this. I'm going on a you know going through the screening and stuff but she's going to go to a place she's never been in another country and then she's contemplating suicide and the twin never notices that until yeah. they're like, hey, she feels it, right? Like an E.T. Elliot type like of Luke and Liam. sense. Yeah. There's a lot that's off about this movie. Right. For example, they start off as like dorky little brunettes and they grow up to be hot blondes. I'm okay so, with that. Like a, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what happens with casting. Yeah. I love what Bart pulls out of a movie. That's so funny. <laughs> it was, You're right. It was funny. <laughs> yep. All right, we're going to take a 10 second break and get our guest Good. in here. Uh, plus, having been away for three weeks or so, no doubt we'll have a jam packed Ooh. What Did You See This Week covering everything we saw over the holidays. Good. And Star Wars and, Times. Uh, our guests can get in on that. So quick break, and we're back here with Franklin Leonard. Yay! Yeah! Stay tuned. Uh, my brother's in trouble. Producing 
Introducing the leaders of the Crimson Guard, the evil twin brothers Tomax and Sabot. And they're getting Whoever's away enjoying this, go to iTunes right now and say these guys are Evil twin brothers sold together Cobra Barrett, G.I. Joe Minitank, and Joe Figure sold separately from Hasbro. We are back with our guest segment of the show, and joining us is a film executive. Uh, wow, former fil- former yes? film executive, Let's former film that. executive. Do you film, have various projects in uh, different states of development? Uh, I do. I do not currently. Several oh. projects in various states of development. I, 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 there was a time in my life where I had lots of projects in various states of development. Uh, I'll tell you what our guest. That time has passed. For can we now. call you a guru? <laughs> what our guest does do? <laughs> no, is runs, do not call me a guru. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, gurus are lame. Uh, but he does run the blacklist where filmmakers find great material to make films and great material finds filmmakers to make them. That's a great tagline on their website. <laughs> that is the idea. He finds and aggregates the most liked screenplays out there into a, just as the title says, list where they can be discovered. <laughs> it's in go. the name. Yeah. It's right? in the name. He does that for you. Uh, and if you don't know about it, you should. And we're happy mm-hmm. to have in studio Franklin Leonard. Welcome. Thank you guys for having me here. Is there a general uh, once-over line or two to describe what the blacklist is, or is it much beyond what I said? Uh, I mean, I wish I had it. I think you did a pretty good job, though, honestly. I mean, look, it started as this like annual survey of Hollywood's most liked screenplays, and then it became a website where anyone could get their script discovered, and now we, we have a podcast where we do table reads that's of those right, scripts. That's right, that's right, that's right. And interviews with a lot of writers, and we do these live stage script readings at the Maltabon Theater in Hollywood. And oh, yes, I mean, yes. the, the idea is to identify and celebrate great screenwriting. That's the sort of basic idea. And then whatever way we can find to do that, whether it's the annual list or the website or the podcast, we, we try to do it. And that expansion was back in like 2012. But you've been doing yeah. the list since... Uh, 2005. 10 years now. Yeah, this, is, uh, this, this past December was the 11th list, which, uh, yeah, makes me feel old. <laughs> now, now, it's like I've been out of college for much longer than that. It only, mean, it only means you're at least 11. <laughs> right. As an infant, I got on Excel and made this spreadsheet. Hey, they're doing it. It grew in its legendary status over the years. It was kind of an underground thing that there was the blacklist in, in, in its early stages. And then it became this much more acceptable and known thing. What was that rise like? Like, when did you first realize, like, oh, people are actually reading this? Like, people are, you know, I... Yeah, it was a weird thing. I, I think it became a thing in the industry very quickly. Like, okay. like when I first made it, I, I this was, it's funny because looking back on it now, I wish that I could claim that I had like, oh, this was a, like a long-term plan, but it was really, my job was working for Leonardo DiCaprio's production company. My job was to find good scripts. I felt like I was doing a terrible job of finding good scripts, hmm. which either meant that uh, I was bad at my job and should consider law school like my mom wanted me to <laughs> or that like the job was reading bad scripts and passing on it in which case I needed to listen to my mother and go to law school <laughs> and so I took a survey of my friends and said send me a list of your 10 favorite scripts that haven't yet been made in exchange I'll send you back the combined list and, and that'll be a thing and I did it anonymously I called it the blacklist I didn't think it would become something and then I came back from vacation two weeks later and it had been forwarded back to me like 75 times oh, and wow. that was my first moment where I was like 
I'm going to get fired from my job. <laughs> um, I'm going to law school. Yeah, exactly. It's like, thank God those LSAT scores are still valid. Um, but uh, so I just kept it quiet that I had done it. And then six months later, I got a phone call from an agent at then William Morris who was pitching me a client. And, you know, I, I get that, a call like this like every week, which was, hey, I've got this new client. You're going to love their script and it's going to be Leo's next movie. You know, he's like, yeah, 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 just tell me more about the movie. And and, and the, the, the conversation ended by him saying, listen, don't tell anybody this, but I have it on really good authority. This is going to be the number one script on next year's Blacklist. Yeah. And I was, oh. yeah. Yeah. And I was like, did you know that was you? No, he had no idea. No, did no you one, know that was you? I knew that was me. <laughs> did you realize, that's me? Yeah. No, but there was definitely this moment where I was like, wait, what is happening here? Like, did I hear you? I was like, wait, what did you say? And he was like, it's going to be the number one script on next year's Blacklist. And I was like, Really? <laughs> Tell me more. We'll see about that, yeah, no, but Mr. Smarty Pants. I was like, wait, do you know who created it? He's like, look, look. Can't tell you anymore. Ah! Just trust me; <laughs> it'll be the number one script on the next year's blacklist. That is um, so that was my first realization that like maybe wow. this thing had value outside of my just finding good scripts to read. And then did it again the next year. The L.A. Times outed me as the person behind it. And then I think the real inflection point for it was the year that Juno and Lars and the Real Girl got nominated for Best Original Screenplay because mm. they had been the number two and number three script on that first oh, list. Wow. Mm. And that made people, I think, say, "Wait a minute, like." If you take a script that's really good, no matter how crazy the idea is, and Lars and Juno both have pretty non-traditionally successful movie ideas at their core, maybe you can make a good movie. And that's, that's sort of proven to be the case. Like, if you look at the first 10 years of lists, there have been about 950 scripts in them. 300 of them have been made. Those movies have made, like, $25 billion in worldwide box office and 145 Oscars and three of the last... Uh, seven best pictures and wow. eight of the last 16 screenwriting Oscars. So wow. I think it, I think what it shows is that though the industry is like, you know, shooting out sequels and, and uh, remakes as fast as they possibly can, the people that are actually making those movies like genuinely do love a lot of really ambitious, non-traditional stuff. It's just like, can you figure out the business model behind making them work? Right. Hmm. So I have a question. So the original concept of The Blacklist is that it was yeah. the list of scripts not produced. Yeah, it was a list of it was but, basically the most liked screenplays that hadn't yet been made. But there's a a myriad of films on this list that then end up end up becoming produced. Yes. So it kind of defeats its own purpose but serves its own purpose at the same time. So yeah. how does something make the blacklist and then leave the blacklist? Great question. So ah, um, good question. Nice job. Yeah. I was paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> the list happens at the end of every year I send an email to now it's about 650 of the executives that work in Hollywood. Everyone from studio presidents all the way to like the junior most executive at like the smallest production company that is a deal with a studio and I say send me a list of your 10 favorite screenplays from that you read this year that haven't yet been made. That's it that you love. Um, and then we combine the list and just put it out. And then what I think happens now is that list comes out and for the, the scripts that haven't already been bought or aren't move, making their way towards production if they haven't gotten there yet, it forces people to say, let me take a second look at that. Because mm -hmm. if 20 other people said it was one of their 10 favorite scripts of the year, maybe it's worth me paying attention to. And I think that there are scripts that maybe like very senior people in the industry aren't aware of because you know maybe their employee read it and said, this is good, but yeah. it's crazy, I can't give it to my boss. And then they say, wait a minute, Tell me more about that script about a guy who buys a sex doll and treats it like his girlfriend. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Because, I mean, here's the thing. I remember reading Lars and the Real Girl and loving the script, yeah. and there was no way I was going to walk into my boss's office and be like, I found <laughs> I found Leo's next movie. Because um, then That's you know the follow-up question is, okay, so what's it about? And then you're like, um... 
Okay, so Leah would buy a sex doll, <laughs> and he's really traumatized by something. We don't really find out what it is, but this sex doll helps him like move beyond that trauma. Trust me, it's great. We should spend $30 million to make it. Right? What, but that's just, my... what you just hit on is a great perspective, too, though, because if a script comes to you and it's not right for your client, yeah. which would be a Leo type, which isn't exactly his movie... But then it just kind of never gets seen to the... This is so great. You give this script a way to get to the audience or the actor that it needs to get to. Yeah, I think that's right. I think we, we're, we're shining a very bright spotlight yeah. on really good, ambitious material. Mm -hmm. I, and, and I think the consequence of that is that more people pay attention to it and it makes it more likely yeah. that it gets made. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily get made. There right. are you know several hundred screenplays that have been on the blacklist that haven't gotten made. But I think, it, I think I hope that it makes it more likely that they do get made. And I think there's, you know evidence that that probably is the case. But your very first conversation with that agent that said, oh, by the way, it's going to be on. Yeah. was like the first year you did it, right? Yeah. Which is, which is to me, just a demonstration of how quickly things get co-opted. Yeah. And it seems like the blacklist could actually serve a purpose for people to go, well, I'm going to wait to see what's on the blacklist. Yeah. Because those lazy, are the ones I want to produce. It's a lazy trick. It's a yeah. really, it's a, well, well you know, yes, there is Give me the blacklist. I want to find out what my next movie's going to be. There is certainly that risk. I think the reality, though, is, is that a good percentage, I think, you know, 40% of the scripts every year have already been acquired by a financier and about 60 have been usually have a producer attached. So if you wait till the end of the year, yes, there's definitely great material mm -hmm. that's available that you could find on the blacklist. I wouldn't recommend it as a long-term Okay. So, all right. So you see what I'm getting at is that yeah. it, it, it already becomes like an it thing that you almost it's, want to be on the blacklist. It's a really interesting question of like the tail wagging the dog or, right. or more accurately exactly. like the dog biting its own tail because you're right. The industry could just say, we're just going to wait till the end of the blacklist comes out and then we'll, it'll be a free for all on getting the, that material. But by the same time, like you, if you see something you think is great and you think is going to end up on that, you're probably going to go ahead and jump the line and get it. Yeah. So it, I, I think... Again, I think the net consequence is positive, but yes, like nothing makes me more upset than people that say, oh, I, there's a script that was on the blacklist, it must be good. It's like, good is kind of fundamentally a subjective evaluation, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that just means that X number of people like the script, maybe you should read it and decide if yeah. you think it's good. Well, mm -hmm. to, to Adam, I say, uh, Adam, what, do you, what did you think of that script? And your response is... I don't know. I didn't talk to anybody yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, that was, that's the old that's, line. That's, that's Adam's joke. Is like, you know, What do you think of the script? I don't know. I haven't I talked know, to anybody. I haven't talked to me yet. The yeah. blacklist seems like it served <laughs> that purpose. What do you think? I don't know. I haven't talked to anybody. We'll figure it out later. But yeah. it's, it's good to hear that, that there actually is the process that's weeding or collecting these films before they get to you and that you actually yeah. are serving the purpose of, no, these are the ones that still didn't make the cut but yeah. are still worth it. Well, I think the other thing that happens, too, is, is like it's one thing to gather information about what other people think about a movie uh, or about a screenplay. Um, and that, that dynamic definitely exists in Hollywood. But I think to some extent, what, what's great about the blacklist is, is that it's people voting in a vacuum. Like, it's, a, it's, a, it's a blind voting, right? Mm -hmm. So like, you don't have to worry about somebody mocking you for having chosen that script. And, mm -hmm. and I think in all of those conversations where you're like, what did you read? What did you like? There's some amount of like posturing and posing that comes yeah. from like, I don't want to admit that I read that and liked it because they're going to think I'm an idiot or they're going to think I'm pretentious. It's just people saying, these are the things that I loved, period, full stop. I don't care if they can make money. Mm -hmm. I don't care if my boss likes them. I don't mm -hmm. care if Leo's attached. This is just the stuff that I wish I could see in a movie. So you're, you're a brave man. You're interjecting honesty and sincerity into Hollywood. It's terrifying. Very, yeah, that's weird. Very yeah. unique. They're going to drum you out of town. Uh, you're, not, you're, not, you're not the first person to say that. <laughs> but that is, it is the most uniquely, I'm uh, pretty obsessed with Hollywood and, and it, it changes when you've lived here for a while because you realize like that, like your story is, is uniquely Hollywood because of all those types of opinions and, yeah. and how that broke through that 
was such a necessary thing because of how this town is run. It's very fascinating that yeah, I mean, the, the, the walls are broke down in a way. Yeah, I, I think so, and I hope so. I mean, I think for me, you know, I, I was surprised that this something like this didn't exist when I came to work mm -hmm. out here. And so for me, it was really just a way of like figuring out a way to make my job a little bit easier. And mm -hmm. in the process, I think we made a lot of people's jobs easier. Mm -hmm. And then with the website, we now can allow anyone on earth who's written an English language screenplay, no matter who you know, no matter where you live, no matter what your circumstances are, if you can write well and you can afford good. $75 to, to upload <laughs> the script. Uh, then you then there's a good chance that someone's going to pay attention to your script and you'll have a chance of having All a right, career. slow up again. I, I think I missed, I, I'm learning something. I'm, yeah. doing, I'm doing the learning. All right. You just said, so say I write a screenplay. Yeah. I haven't, but say I do. Yeah. I can pay 75 bucks mm -hmm. and upload it to you guys. You read yeah. it. And if your list of people who like it decide that this is great, it could make the list. Uh, yeah, so the way it works is That's amazing. Um, so the way it works this is, is great. you upload your yeah, up, yeah. fascinating. You upload your script. Uh, mm -hmm. You can pay twenty five dollars a month to have it hosted on the site. You can okay. pay fifty dollars to have one of our readers, all of whom have worked for at least a year in Hollywood development, as paid like assistants at least, mm -hmm. um, and they're vetted further by me personally. But um, and if your script is evaluated positively, um, we send an email sort of once a week to all three thousand of our industry members that range from agency assistants to studio presidents. Brilliant, that is, dude! This is say, amazing. It's great. And say, hey, here's a bunch of dope scripts do something with them i joke about us being e-harmony for people who write movies That's and people nice. who make movies. this is wonderful um, this is yeah. wonderful for all the people out there listening to this who yeah. aren't in hollywood yeah. who are great writers in these circumstances yeah. they can't come here Gosh, well, this is fantastic. So, that, so that's the beauty of it. And here's the kicker, and this is the amazing thing. So there have been five movies that have been made from scripts that have been submitted to the website, oh. been discovered on the website, and then got made. One of which, uh, this movie Nightingale that was on HBO with David Oyelowo that got nominated for um, a Golden Globe okay. uh, for Best TV Movie. That was a, a writer from Chicago, uploaded a script to the site, got discovered great. there, and movie great. got made. There's a script called, there's a movie called Zinzana, uh, which is a... Uh, uh, Emirati genre film that started as a script by a husband and wife in Atlanta, Georgia, uploaded the script, got discovered, oh. Image Nation Abu Dhabi found it, loved it, had it translated, oh. <laughs> made it, it was at Fantastic Fest this year. Wow. London Film Festival, the director's now signed at UTA. That's wonderful. And I think there's a good, I mean, and those writers who still live in Atlanta are probably gonna get to direct their first feature soon. So there's that, a lot of stuff like that happening now, which is really cool. And maybe my favorite thing, the last two number one writers on the last two annual blacklists were discovered by their reps on the website. Good for you, dude. That's, That's wonderful. And and That's one of them great. doesn't even live in the in in, uh, in L.A. Good for that person. I yeah. mean, wait, what? <laughs> I think is I wait. I can't remember if he's in Portland or Chicago. I can't remember. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, That's you can cool. look at old lists and go, "Well, yes, Slumdog Millionaire, King Speech, Argo." Yeah, but you don't know that they're going to yeah. be what they are yeah. until later. Which brings me to this year's list. Where yeah, you look at it, you don't know any of these movies. Sure yeah. enough, five years from now you may. The next but Argo. Let's go over there. some of these. Yeah, okay. uh, number one on the list yeah. is a movie Crazy. called Bubbles. Mm -hmm. Bubbles. Explain, please. Uh, Bubbles is the sequel to Steven Soderbergh's Bubble. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> that, that, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. <laughs> uh, that would be really amazing, actually. Um, in fact, someone should convince Soderbergh to do. They really, a really should and call well, it Bubbles. If if I if I could have Soderbergh here right now, <laughs> I would say, "Where is Son of Schizopolis?" But what that's I will. When I meet him, I will ask That's that. That's the demand. Yes. Um, yeah, so bu Bubbles is a biopic of uh, Bubbles, uh, the chimp. No way! Uh, Michael Jackson's oh, chimp. Oh, it, it is the story of Michael Jackson 
someone's uh, life through the eyes of uh, Bubbles' his chimp. And here's what's oh, sort of genius okay, about Soderbergh this. Do that. Here's sort genius of genius? About this, Go yeah. on. <laughs> Bubbles, Bubbles, is, Bubbles speaks with... Um, Bubble speaks as one might like you can imagine Ian McKellen as the voice of oh, Bubbles, not Lancelot Link. Um, yeah, no, no, that's <laughs> and, uh, and 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 he's and he's like very preoccupied with um, sort of social structure and like who the alpha is and who the beta is. So it literally like you in get, the house of Michael Jackson, yeah, yeah, in the house of Michael Jackson, and so it's kind of genius. I mean, like I, I remember wow. hearing, I remember hearing about this script middle of last year, and I was like, that'll probably be on the podcast. okay, like if that's at all just based on the premise and the choices that the person made in, in like how to tell that story i was like yeah if it's good that that's the kind of thing that ends up on the so list. from what i've heard in hollywood also that's a great way to, to get your script around is like it's oh, yeah. what all right yeah. i gotta read it <laughs> no, 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 exactly. yeah. I mean, by the way because it's one of those things like it's either going to be amazing or it's going to be terrible but, but either you're way, gonna read it it's going to be enjoyable and that's number one 45 uh was yeah 45, I think, somewhere in the 40s roughly, yeah, yeah. Uh, picks to get on the list yeah Gosh. but then allow me to read the next one that has the same effect you're talking about Let's adam do it. when you hear this you be like i have to read this <laughs> this is i don't know what number this is but it's called reagan it's pretty high. This is like top 10. Yeah, it's in top 10. When Ronald Reagan falls into dementia at the start of his second term, an ambitious intern is tasked with convincing the commander-in-chief that he is an actor playing the president in a movie. Ha <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, oh, I have to see that movie. I have to see that. So I hope it's off the blacklist very soon. Yeah, I definitely hope to see it. I mean, look, Dave is, Dave is one of my all-time favorite Love movies. And, and this feels oh, like yeah, it's very yeah, much yeah. in that like zone. Um, Thank you for doing yeah. this, Ellen. Got so, that shit yeah. on VHS right over there. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, no, that, I mean, that movie just sounds crazy. And we're walking. Uh, uh, Rocket. Rocket, yeah. A movie about um, Roger Clemens. Yeah. It's the uh, huh. the Roger Clemens uh, steroid controversy movie. I think that the, the tagline was, you know, Roger Clemens has X number of wins, X number of strikeouts, like seven Cy Young Awards, whatever it is, uh, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. This is the movie about why. Mm. Cheater. Yeah. Cheater. Yeah. <laughs> he threw a bat like spo- at Mike Piazza. Spo- yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Mike, and you know what happened to Mike Piazza yeah. today? Yeah. Hall of Fame. There you go. Oh. Thank you for there that, you Paul. Uh, all right, let's see. Uh, let's do, go around the table of some movies that have been on the blacklist, and yeah. you guys just tell me if you like them or not. Okay. All right. In Bruges. Oh, my God, yes. Such a great movie. <laughs> oh, my God, Such a great yes. movie, right? Is that the phone booth movie? Uh, no. Same no, actor. Phone though. booth cast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that movie is just so. It's like this post-Tarantino, Tarantino yeah, style. Yeah. Martin McDonough. Martin McDonough. Yeah, yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, he's a brilliant playwright, and that movie's amazing. Ah, so so was Seven Psychopaths. If you yeah. Yeah. Oh, I still have to see that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's on do. Netflix right now. I yes, think. I think yeah. it is. Watch that. I think yeah. it is. Watch that. Um, Red Riding Hood. Hmm. I didn't see Silence. it. Silence. Twilight for Red yeah. Riding Hood. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah I, I guess no. I would like to see it under a different director. Maybe I don't know. I haven't seen it. But. Hmm. Margin Call. I was a fan. Yeah. An interesting story. Well, I haven't we'll, seen it. We'll be talking about the big short here a little bit. In the show, no, I thought yeah. that handled that oh, type of thing a little better. I'm excited to see like, that. Margin, yes. Did Margin Call ever explain what happened? Not, no. no. I think Margin Call was more it, about the sociology of the event. Okay. Right? Oh, then I would like that one better, I think, because oh, okay. I didn't find the big short to be that compelling because it wasn't about people. Hmm. 
but I oh, would like I them. Might, then I think you actually might like Mark. Was it hunky? Yeah. Oh, it was, was hunky. Very hunky. I'm going to put that on my list of movies to see because I did yeah. like the story, but I wanted to know about how it affected yeah. people. I mean, it's the other thing too is I mean that was like a very low budget movie, so they they, they yeah. had I mean they were like you know the whole thing happened mostly in that office. course of one night in that office yeah. so it was a controlled environment, whereas Big Short is a lot bigger. Oscar I love compressed time frames and single single locations. It's pretty cool. The Wolf of Wall Street. Now, how did it feel then to suddenly there's a Leo movie on your blacklist? Yeah, I mean, look, I have a complicated relationship with The Wolf of Wall Street because I feel like I really enjoyed the movie. I think Leo's performance is actually maybe my favorite Leo performance, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. in part because I do think he's working with more of his comic muscles, and I think he's actually really talented in that regard, though he doesn't sort of use them as much. Um, But I also looks hilarious. Exactly, it's amazing. It is a because it's all a prank. I don't want to blow the ending. That would be amazing. Spoiler alert! It's all it's it's, yeah, it's a giant joke. No, I but I I, I definitely joke. also feel like there were people that watched that movie and were like, yeah, I want to be just like Jordan Belfort, and you're like, no, you wait. missed the message uh, of this film. But I say that's on them. Uh, maybe, but I do feel like there are a lot of people who that was on, and that <laughs> and that and that scares me. And where's that's Jordan? True. Where's Jordan yeah. Belfort today? I think Prison, he's consulting right? on the yeah. movies. He's, he's still and he's dead. Still, oh. Is it wait really? He died like three weeks ago. Four oh weeks no! Ago, last month. No way. Are you yes, serious? He really? Dead. Dead in his Manhattan Beach home. No way. If, if, if I'm lying, there's a retraction coming next week. Uh, yeah. But I he's dead. Not, Jeff, feel, Jordan Belfort is I did, dead. I did not know. They should have reported that. Somebody look, Google this. There'll be no sequel. Yep. So I'm just saying, just like Rogers Clemens. Rogers Clemens. <laughs> Rogers Clemens. <laughs> Rogers and Hammerstein. And you're saying there are no sequels on the blacklist? Or there there are sometimes? But there can be. I mean, yeah. I, I'm trying to think if there's an example of one that I can think of off the top of my head. But I can't. Uh, Looper. Huh. Looper, oh, yeah, such a genius, right? Ryan Johnson, Ryan Johnson's a Ryan genius. Johnson. I'm, I'm late to him. In fact, I got to go back and watch Brick. Oh, Yo, go, oh yeah, you do. But yeah, Looper, you do. Looper makes me want it. So, oh, yeah. Brick is. I remember seeing it at Sundance and just being like, yeah, that that guy. Yeah, that right. guy. Yeah, whatever he wants to do. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, I remember having a meeting with him and him pitching me Looper. Like very early stages, and I, and yeah. I just remember being like jaw dropped. Like, how rough for, that's for Leo? Now for Leo? Uh, no, it was just like, hey, this this idea I'm working on because he was always very much like, I want to do these things on my own. Like I don't want to do them in a studio. Mm. Um, and he was just like, yeah, this is this idea that I'm toying with about assassins, and they can sort of go back in time and have to kill themselves. And I just remember sitting there being like, yeah, that that's a movie. Um, let us know if you want us to do it to help you with that. <laughs> um, and he didn't need our help. You know, he, he he wanted to do it his own way, and thank God he did. Now, how rough is a movie of that complexity in the pitch? Um, it yeah, was right. not... I know, I mean... Yeah, no, it's a really interesting question. It, it varies widely, right? Like, yeah. some, some people come in with, like, you know, beat by beat their entire movie okay. mapped out. That was something that I think Ryan was just sort of working over in his head. At least okay. my impression was that he was working over gotcha. in his head. So he, he had this basic notion of, the, like, the arc of this, like, the sort of the timeline, mm-hmm. the fact... Beyond that, I really don't know. Hmm. But but I remember just being impressed with the psychological complexity of the notion of you have to go back in time and kill yourself. Yeah, yeah. And that that alone was enough to make me sort of sit up and say, "Tell me more." <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, I'm still figuring it out, but it's an idea." And we were like, Bruh, "Please, it's we like the grabber yeah. aspect of these." The guy who advised Jordan Belfort's dead. Okay, one of his That guy probably killed himself because the headline was "Real Wolf of Wall Street Guy Found Dead." Oh, oh, yeah. that's a misleading headline. Yes, yeah. very misleading. <laughs> Attraction. Look how good we are. This Click is like bait. The, good job. What is attraction. up with the media lying to me about things? <laughs> how dare they? 
I'll write this day down, and it <laughs> happened today. <laughs> the day I lost my uh, trust even, uh, in the Oh, even Sea of Trees, which is also yeah. the, the forest. Oh, yeah. Is from, oh, was on the that one actually sounded interesting, yeah. Not uh, a little more interesting than this version of the Suicide Forest, where there's a, it's kind of a documentary, mock, not a mockumentary, but it's it, that's the Sea of Trees, right? He goes in to try to figure out what's going on. Yeah, that one's also it's like a lot more of a tone poem, I think. Yeah. Like, this is like a, this, in the forest strikes me as like a pure horror movie. Not yeah, that, spooky ever, shit. Yeah, but, um, but no, Sea of Trees was, yeah, no. See, Tree of Trees is more the kind of thing we're talking about. Now that played at Cannes, right? Cannes, and Toronto. Probably yeah, it definitely will be coming out soon. It's Gus Van Sant. It's Gus Van Sant. I honestly don't oh, know because I feel yeah. like yeah, I feel like it played Toronto a while ago, and I haven't seen it. But um, I don't know. Maybe it's out there. Maybe it's a, maybe it's already on like VOD. I don't know. Because they had McConaughey, right, and Naomi Watts. I think could be. I couldn't even tell so you. Honestly. You think it would get a big uh, release? It was Jonah Hill. The guy the guy that Jonah Hill played oh. is dead. That's the Jonah Hill's dead. Oh, oh for real? Okay. That actually I makes a lot know. more that makes a but lot it, more. But it's somebody sense. like that. Yeah, okay. So what are the jobs that you have then before this besides working with Leo's company? Um I was sort of all over the map. So I graduated college in two thousand and then I ran a congressional campaign in Cincinnati, Ohio. You um, did? Yeah. Yeah, wow. uh, for this guy John Cranley, he's actually now the mayor of Cincinnati. Oh, um, wow. he was the youngest congressional challenger in the country that year. Hello, Ohio. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't Ohio wait till he gets his own Jerry Springer show. Oh. <laughs> no Bengals. <laughs> what was crazy is that like people in Cincinnati still love Jerry Springer. They like, love Jerry Springer. He could run for yep. office right yep. now. He really and could. It would be a landslide. <laughs> he's ours. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's true, man. Like. Paying but, a hooker with a well, check, well, not a problem. But here's, but, okay, but here's the crazy thing, right? You think about the fact that when that when that went down, it was like high scandal. Yeah. Since we, the last two presidents have admitted to having used cocaine. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's changed a lot since Jerry's era. Yeah. Um, anyway, but uh, yeah, so I did that. I was a management consultant uh, at a company called McKinsey in New York City. Uh, I wrote for the Guardian newspapers in Trinidad for about mm-hmm. six months. And then, yeah, then I was an assistant at CAA. I, um, I worked for John Goldwyn as an executive, then Leo, then for Sidney Pollack and Anthony Minghella. Um, wow. who, for the year before they died and then Universal Pictures for two years and then Will Smith's company for two years and then oh, Blacklist oh, stop, stop, the last stop, stop. Yeah, yeah, Sidney Pollack, good point, go. good point, bro. Let's go back to Sidney Pollack. <laughs> yeah, let's, talk about Pollack. <laughs> let's talk about Sidney and Anthony. <laughs> so the last year of Sidney Pollack's life... No, I, just, <laughs> I do have a question that's I can what, ask that's, about. that's where we're going, right? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> oh, here we go. Yes. I'm so curious, Bart. Is, is, right. Will, is Will Smith's camp just nuts? Um, he can't politically say that, can no, he? What do you mean? That. No, I actually, I actually really enjoyed working there. I okay. think that the, I mean, here, here's the thing. I just want you on record saying you like the guy. <laughs> no, I don't, no, I, and I can say that without reservation. I, I'm a big fan of his. I'm a big fan of of Jaden and Willows. I'm a big fan of Jada's. Um, I really enjoyed enjoyed working there, and I felt like um, his success is not an accident. Like mm-hmm. this is a guy who is a student of the world, is a student of the business, is a student of storytelling, and I think has been able to, to combine that with his extraordinary talent and, and you know, be the biggest movie star in the world. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I know, it's so boring. It's so boring. I have no... Well, now I hate him because he's good-looking, smart, talented, and worked hard. That's the more... That is the more rational reaction, honestly. It's always funny because I meet people who are like, he's terrible, isn't he? And I was like, honestly, the most annoying part is, no, no. not at all. You know what? Ryan Seacrest is the same way. I yeah, know you want to not like him, but he's him. great at his job. Justin I worked with him. Timberlake, Timberlake is the one for me. Yeah. That was like that was actually Funny. A, critical, a critical moment yeah. in my becoming an adult, where I was like, "Oh no, the problem's me." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the problem's me. So that's a good way to put it. I'm a hater. Yeah. And I really have to fix that. 
And that, I, I have a very specific memory of coming to that conclusion about Timberlake. It was on like, SNL when everyone else had that revelation, right? Uh, like, it, it, oh, was, it was fart, right he's talented. There might have been like some funny. music show where he was like playing the drums, and I was mm-hmm. like, wait a minute. He sings, he dances, he plays the drums. I can't do any of those things. <laughs> Why do I think I should hate him? Yeah. <laughs> Full head of hair. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Sydney Pollock. So <laughs> amazing. Yeah. So is this uh, is this the right around the time of uh, before the devil knows you're dead? No, this was that's Sydney um, Lumet. Right, oh, Sydney uh, Lumet. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 Sydney Pollock. This oh, was oh, right oh, oh. after he also produced, dead though. Yeah. 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 Also, no. And sadly gone. Not, not um, that far off. That's where you confused him. Yeah. <laughs> no, but they were they were also uh, great great directors of, yeah. of of like seminal 1970s films. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Let me just say this again though, real quick, because I've probably said it before on here. Sidney Pollock was a great actor. He was. He was and he, God, and he wasn't he good. And he, he began was. as an actor. I mean, that's the thing is like I think even. Like in the conversations that we had, he thought of himself as an actor who got dragged into directing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, you 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 look at he was a great producer, a great director, um, an extraordinary mentor, an extraordinary man. Like he's just part of a generation that I don't think really exists anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember leaving my interview with him, and this is before he got sick. But I remember going home and telling my girlfriend at the time, I was like, I don't really know how I feel about working for a seventy-two-year-old that if it came to it could kick my ass in a fight. <laughs> Like it makes me weirdly uncomfortable, um, and it's true. No, he was. I, I I consider myself incredibly fortunate to have worked with you know two of arguably the best filmmakers of the last fifty years, wow. and and they were and as good as they were as filmmakers, they were even better people. Him and Mangello, yeah. his career was yeah. Uh, yeah, too, so too short. short. Yeah, yeah. Short, too short. yeah. What a great journey you've had, and you're just getting started. Uh, hopefully, yeah. I this look. So I've cool. been I've been very lucky. I think that my sort of approach to life I think as I've sort of moved into from my 20s to my 30s is like if a great opportunity presents itself like try to make the best of it and and do good work that proves you're worthy of it it, go, go ahead. I was going to say, there's three words on your website that you call "do no harm." Huh? Yeah, that you yeah. sort of mm. live by, right? Yeah. Well, I think you know, there's uh, yeah. So I wrote this essay. So we launched the Blacklist website on October 15, 2012, and my plan initially was to like you know. Spend a day online, like re- reading all of the comments on Deadline and like all of the like mm-hmm. the stuff on Reddit, where people would justifiably be skeptical of us taking this thing that had been a sort of not a, a revenue making enterprise and turning it into something that you know required yeah. people to pay. And as I started, sort of, and I was, my plan was like take all those comments and then respond to each one and then put that up as a blog post, just like hey, people have questions, here are the answers. And I started working on that like at 3 a.m. the night the we we sort of started the thing, and I had not really slept very much the two previous nights. And I started writing answers to this, and I realized that every answer sort of flew into the next one. And I ended up writing what I guess is the closest thing to like a Jerry Maguire style manifesto mm-hmm. I will ever write, and you can find it um, on the on the about page of our website. But it's like called the what, the how, and the why of the blacklist: the long answer. And the idea was basically to be like, look, there's a lot of skepticism about what we're doing, and I get it. There should be. For a very long time, people have been taking advantage of, of particularly aspiring writers because it's like, hey, you don't have any access. I may have some access, but you'll never know exactly how much access I have. Um, so why don't you give me $500 and I'll read your script, and if it's good, I'll give it to someone that I know. Yeah. And, and I wanted to make sure that we were not that. And so I wrote this essay, and I'm basically like, look, at the end of the day, our goal with the thing is – if you upload your script and you get it evaluated and our reader says, you know what, it's just not good. And here are the reasons why it's not good. No one ever has to know that you 
mm. got the evaluation. Like mm-hmm. that's totally private. You, it's up to you to make it public if you so choose. Um, and be, worst case scenario, you spent $75 and you've gotten feedback on your script from somebody who has on the ground experience in what movies are getting, what scripts are getting sort of noticed right now, what, what movies are getting made. And, uh, and then hopefully you can use that to, to build into a better situation. And honestly, the, the emails that we get that are my favorites, like there's some, we get emails that are like, hey, I quit my job today because your, my script was discovered on your site. Thank you so much. And those are great. But the ones that I really love reading are the ones that are like, hey, so your reader ripped me a new one. I will not be quitting my job anytime soon. But for the first time in my life, I know exactly how far I have to go from where I'm at right now to where I actually have a shot at doing this. And I also feel like I got notes that like allow me to know what direction I need to work in terms of improving my writing. And it's not going to happen this year. It's probably not going to happen next year. But maybe someday, if I keep working on it, I'll improve my writing enough that I'll have a shot. And that's really cool to me is that we're giving people feedback that's not taking advantage of them at the same time. Do you offer a volume discount? Uh, we I have... submit like 12 scripts. <laughs> <laughs> here's, a, here's what I'd say. This is this would, I guess, qualify. I do as all my prequels and all my sequels right away. <laughs> this is what, we call, what lawyers would call a statement against interest, but we ad, I would advise against that. <laughs> okay. Um, but no, I mean, my recommendation is, look, as if you're a writer and you, you want to take advantage of our services, find the one script that you feel like is your best work, that mm. you feel like is representative of who you are as a writer, Upload that, pay for one or two evaluations. That's going to be seventy-five to one hundred twenty-five bucks, and see how that goes. Do other do people ever then resubmit based on the evaluation and say, "Hey, how how did I do?" For, yeah. for another seventy-five bucks. Absolutely, and, and and we encourage people to 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 re-upload submit them. as often as possible. Yes. No. <laughs> no. Uh, no, don't do we, that. Uh, we, we encourage people to, to resubmit their script once they've done a rewrite, but treat it as an entirely new script. Mm. And, and you'll get a different reader. So, oh, okay. So, and, and in fact, if, if one of our readers discovers that they're reading a script that they've previously mm. read and they don't tell us, and we find out, they're fired, period. Wow. Um, so, doesn't help anybody. So. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, so you want to get different perspectives. And by the way, it's also possible that like you write it one way and you get feedback from us and s- that says, hey, you should do these things differently. And then you make those changes and that next reader says, actually, maybe you should have done this other thing that brings you back to the first place. That's the reality of what it means to be a writer or really any creative in the business. But what we're looking for is scripts that at least one person says, yeah, this is dope. Someone, someone should see that. Mm-hmm. And, and so even if you get two reads and one of one person says, Yo, this is amazing. I, I would I would watch this movie. Mm-hmm. And somebody says, I would not watch this movie if you paid me a hundred dollars. <laughs> but that's that's interesting to me that a script elicits two widely divergent reactions. Right. Yeah. So we're gonna give it notice so that more people can have a chance to read it and say Oh, I agree with the first person. Or, nope, that second person was right. Yeah, this is terrible. Because right, that's the reality of the world is that yeah. your script yeah. is never going to be received by everybody the same way. There right. are, I mean, look, with the exception of Pixar, I, and I guess this, this well, I know I was going to say, and, and, and this Star Wars movie, but even <laughs> there, even that has its detractors. Um, no, I. but like the best movies ever, if you go on like Metacritic or Rotten Tomatoes and, mm-hmm. and like read the reviews on social network, there's always somebody out there that's like, I think there are too many words in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> too, many know, notes. Exactly, exactly. too many notes. Too many notes. Too many notes. I, right, Amadeus. That my that is yeah. one Thank of you. one of that is one of my three favorite movies oh. of all time. Oh, oh speaking of which, speaking of which, let's get to him. We ask yeah. every guest. So, what are your three? Favorite? Uh, Amadeus is one. Oh. That nice. was actually, of course, the yeah. Italians. They're musical idiots. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite uh, line in that movie is when he says, uh, um, 
one hears such music and one can't help but think Salieri. And he says, oh, you flatter me. And he responds, no, I don't. <laughs> it's such a backhanded compliment. That, that movie has so many lines like that, though. It's no, so good. That's actually, that is oh, how, no, that no, is I how I brought in the new year. I, I was watching the director's oh. code of Amadeus. Yeah. Oh, the boobies. Good. You got the boobies? Yep. Yep. The boobies actually kind of, uh, for me, I didn't like the boobies. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I'm a big boobie fan. <laughs> I'm a fan. It was, it was odd in the context of that. Film, right? So. It, it kind of ruined that scene. It, yeah, it becomes weird. So, so that uh, being there. Um, is, is one of my favorites of all time. <laughs> another guy who, <clears throat> another guy who criminally made way too few movies. Hal Ashby. Hal yeah, Ashby. he did. Yeah, he did. Um, so being there, and then Doctor Strangelove. Ah, yes, that's so in my you top like 10. Peter Sellers. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, and, 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 and it doesn't. I am a Peter Sellers fan, but mm -hmm. it, those two, those two, me falling in love with those two movies happened totally separately. Yeah, it's really weird. Best, um, best story I heard about, uh, and this is so strange. Love is Stephen Lewis, movie guy who just did the Christmas special. He told me the story the first time he watched Strange Love because Strange Love is a weird movie. You can watch Doctor Strange Love and go, "That's a quite a serious movie about yeah. some very serious things." <laughs> you really could. You can go through the whole thing and go, "Man, these Russians, they really are going to kill us." Until maybe the guy rides the bomb down or whatever. Uh, Slim Pickens rides the bomb, but it's hilarious all the way through. But only you know when viewed from the right side of the prism. You know. Oh, well, that's, that's part of why I love it. Is yeah. there's so many things going on, and and it yeah, you just don't see movies like that anymore. Period. And yeah, and Kubrick started to make a serious movie, and then couldn't take it seriously at some point. I actually don't know the whole story of that, but no. but so Stephen Lewis watches it. He watches the whole movie, Stoneface, because he'd heard about this movie. He heard, it, and he watches the whole thing. Goes all the way through to the very end of the credits. The movie is over. It goes into the blank of the videotape. And he just starts laughing hysterically. Like it all just landed at once after he was done watching the whole movie. I think that's the greatest reaction to uh, Strange Love. That's amazing. <laughs> um, it just couldn't stop laughing with no movie on anymore. That's incredible. I would add one more as a provisional. It's like an asterisk because I feel like I've, I've <laughs> I like seen that. it recently enough that I, I want to give it more time before I sort of inducted into the Pantheon. And that's uh, Jacques Audiard's A Prophet. Ooh, I don't which know. Which if y'all, this is French movie. Recent, uh, right? Last, ten, last five, ten years? Uh, seven years, maybe? Yeah. Jacques who? Uh, Audiard. He's the same oh. guy they did Rustin Bone oh. uh, more recently. French French director. This is, uh, it's it's Goodfellas set in a French prison. Oh, and it, it is. I have okay. to watch that. What's yeah. it called? Yeah. It's, called, it's, called it's called A Prophet. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Un oh. Prophet. And it mm. is so good. Okay, I got it. This <laughs> so good. Awesome. Yeah, it's um, and I saw it the first time I saw it. It was like at eight thirty in the morning at the Toronto Film Festival, and I'd been out very, very late the night before. And I remember leaning over to the person next to me about halfway through to be like, "Yo, this is as good as I think it is, right?" Because <laughs> I was like so tired, I thought I was like hallucinating the whole thing, <laughs> but it was so good. And then I, I was like nervous to watch it a second time because I was worried it wasn't going to be as good as I remembered it and it was better than I remember it was just, it's just such a uh, good film is it great. one of those wordy films it's got words on the screen uh, yes it is I have to read it it is a subtitled no, film I, okay. like I hate wordy but movies so was yeah. City of God uh, yeah, I didn't see that either Oh God! You guys, the city of God. <laughs> no, I'm gonna go see that. Uh, but yeah, Umbrella is it's it's amazing, and and it's one of those films too where like even if you don't like subtitled films, you forget very quickly that yeah. it's that cool. you're reading it. Like very quickly. All right, let's get on to because uh, yeah, this is going to be pretty big. I think. <laughs> we what clear, did you see this week? What did you see this week? Yeah. <laughs> and of course, former guest Adam Pascal of Rent. And Leah, Leah Finkelstein doing a little yeah. tea, tea, what is that, keys tinkling? Yeah. Or twinkling, so, twinkling. Say, say, gang, what did you see? You know what, Paul, just holidays. clear the table. Should we just clear the table because this is going to get ugly? Should we lead with it? This is going to get ugly. I feel like we should lead with it. 
Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I saw a New Hope. It was a great movie. <laughs> you mean a Force Awakens? <laughs> oh, is that what it's called? Oh, is that what it's called? Mm. So let's let the. Is that what they're doing with this movie? <laughs> yeah. It was a fine movie. It was a good movie. Enjoyed it. Had all had all the things I love about Star Wars in it. Okay. Because it was Star Wars. Now you were that saying was its goal. some parallels, obviously, to the first hey, movie. Hey, there's a movie called Phantom <laughs> Menace. You should check it out. It's nothing like a new uh, movie. You really should I, go I, check it out. I do want to say you're doing some parallels. Who is the Princess <laughs> Leia in this then? Um, because I didn't see that. I didn't see the Princess Leia. Obviously, Luke is the girl, and okay. uh, Han is the stormtrooper, and, and Han is the girl. Actually. And, and Chewbacca's the Chewbacca. Chewbacca. No, there was no R2. stormtrooper that turned good in Star Wars. No, but, I, the, I beg but to differ. no, but Han was a was a kind of a bad guy a bad that guy found that yeah. found some heart. Yeah, but the pilot is also Rey. <clears throat> So, but she's the one with the force whose parents are on a desert and their parents are not coming back, and she's no, Ray kinda, is definitely Luke in the movie, right? Yeah. Ray no, is Luke, yeah. but but Luke, but she flies the Millennium Falcon and she's a tech, you know, tech. There is no, too. there is no Han in this movie because that would require a scoundrel to hero arc that none of the. Well, I thought the, the trooper was kind of you a can make an scoundrel. argument that Boyega's character is scoundrel, bad yeah. guy to good guy transition. It's not, this, it's not, a, it's not a direct mirror, but it's pretty. It's I pretty mean, he's obviously supposed to kill people, but he has a little bit of a heart right from the top. But doesn't he? Yeah. Dangerously act selfishly. Like when he arrives on uh, Starkiller Base to save Ray, Han has to go, wait a minute, people are counting on you. <laughs> you, I mean, that to me it was like a super selfish action called out that he wasn't in in any sort of uh, hero mode to save. Well, I think, but I think that's what's really interesting the, the about Republic. what's left of the Republic. Well, here's the thing I think, I think you need those moments because if they're, if they, if he makes the transition to hero immediately, that's a problem, right? Yeah. Like, so you want him to sort of make the transition from, okay, I was a bad guy for reasons that I don't to- that I didn't totally understand. Now I'm trying to be a good guy, but I still have these selfish impulses, and eventually I have to sort of relinquish those selfish impulses in, a be- in order to become a true hero. And I, I, I think that actually makes it more compelling to me than if he was just like, okay, now I'm a good guy. I'm gonna go, you know, be. Yeah, a his dream. arc, his arc just didn't connect with me, and he could take Poe Dameron entirely out of the film. And the film doesn't change. But let's but go. You to, don't, no, but then you don't no have Oscar Isaac. Of, of <laughs> what? The, but you need him and everything. Okay, but let's just get Adams. Thing, go ahead. Would you like to hear? One? I know you. Yeah. No, I've, I, I, I hear no negative in everyone saying this is a lot like Star Wars. That's what I went to go see. That's what I wanted, mm-hmm. and I got a lot of Star Wars. I think the greatest crystallization of what this is and why it's brilliant, and I had this feeling throughout the movie. I said there's something, I mean, obviously, it is pure joy. We've, we were never going to get another Star Wars movie, ever, ever. That's it. You're never getting Han Solo in a movie, ever, Paul Preston, yeah. ever. All right. Yep. And you and you were resigned so to that. And you knew it. we were. I know. And you knew it. And so, they dropped the ball on that, though. I so, think that we were all expecting that excitement, and then the movie happened. Oh, you weren't excited. Oh, I totally disagree. I, but see, I'm I, a big Star Wars fan. But I'm an okay You're Star just Wars a movie fan, fan, and it was fine. Yeah. It was yeah. okay movie. And I, I, would you call yourself a Star Wars fan, or would you? I mean, you were a fan of Star Wars. Yeah, I'm not a fanboy of the movie. Yeah. I, I was. It's a good but, movie because it was good the first time I saw it, and it's yeah. good this version. I was disappointed was in what it was. It was a safe movie. Well, I was Adam hoping just, it was going to be Adam something just, different. Here's. here's okay. I, I, I want to put one yeah. thing to you guys though. I cannot imagine a better version of that film, given what the stakes were no, and what it needed. It to is be. impossible. Yeah, it wasn't to make the first movie. three movies. Thank God. You yeah, know, yeah, but I'm just saying. Like, I'm trying true. to. But when I sit yeah. back and I say to myself, okay. What version of this movie would, would would they have needed to make for, for me to be 
more excited about this movie and more importantly, more excited about the next two. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I can't conceive of it. Like yeah. in terms of like threading the needle with incredibly high stakes, I don't know that I've seen a better a better stuck landing in terms of like right. franchise and sequel development as long as I I've been did in like the Star Trek better. Cuz say but but it's the same thing. Uh -oh. It's Uh-oh. the same Uh-oh. droid with, with plans <laughs> hidden in it. <laughs> there's a lost droid with plans <laughs> hidden in it that needs to get to its rightful yeah, owner. But there's also Kylo Ren and there's also uh, uh, stormtroopers. But, but, but here's the thing. Know. Yes, it is very, very similar. And there's but, no equivalent to Kylo Ren. That's a loaded statement because you're immediately going to say Darth Vader, but you're kind of wrong. No, you're way wrong. <laughs> yeah. Darth, uh, the, the equivalent to Kylo Ren is Joaquin Phoenix and Gladiator. Right? Seriously, the whiny sort of young guy well, who's in charge but struggles well, okay. with it, and, and, and has amazing hair. So let's well done. Well so done. let's really nitpick at this because this, yeah. this may this may move me into slight fandom. One well, of the things that I found un, not a little disappointing is I liked uh, Ray's character and I liked that she was becoming a Jedi. I didn't like that it turned on like a light switch. I would like to have seen her set up a little more on her planet and in her, in her life having this ability but not quite understanding where it's coming from but the also the other thing that kind of bugged me and hopefully this this will uh, garner some appreciation from you is that she got angry in that fight when she was fighting Kylo yeah. Ren she got angry until That's, she stopped and found the force and no then when she found the on. force she really had got angry oh uh, you're saying uh, after yeah okay. I would like to have seen her directed to be very calm cool and collected because that's what the force I think represents right and so then she starts kicking ass just very matter of factly but I don't think she's like fully in control of the force yet I think she's still true. like you that's know, true. It, it's like when you've got like a basketball player who can just like dunk in like the eighth grade, but like you know, <laughs> yeah. Can't, but can't, yeah, but like can't make a free throw. Yeah, like I feel like that's who she is okay. at that stage. Like she's just got raw talent sort of bursting out of her seams, but at the same time, like she's still in her mind just like a regular person who, oh my god, I have this talent, but she's gonna fight angry. Here, here's the thing. I, if it's not clear, I was pretty much with the movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and, and I'm That's and cool. look, look. I'm already, I'm already a fan. I saw the Phantom Menace and I walked out and was, was it, uh, elated. Yeah. Because I had just seen a Star Wars movie, so that's going to happen either way. But you're correct. This is the most impossible movie to make. Uh, Maybe I, ever. I, how yeah. I, ever? I mean, how are you going to satisfy? The people who want something different, something that want, people who want the same. It's like I always said about Superman. Superman Returns, everyone said, Superman doesn't fight anyone. Man of Steel, Superman fights too many people. Here's a gun, kill yourself if you're trying to please that audience. <laughs> right. you know. But I think this does it uh, very nicely. Yes, there are plans in a, in a... Well, there are not plans in a droid. There is a map to Luke fucking Skywalker in that droid. And that's awesome. <laughs> Please bleep that. <laughs> um, but no, man. Look, it goes so far. I mean, Star Killer is the Death Star. I mean, like it's like, yeah. like the the, the over sure, and, that, and they comment on it. They I mean, fly Han, down an so alley and I blow mean, up the but, planet. So it's but big. Han even says so. It's a so bigger it's version big. of. There's the always Death a way Star. to blow I mean, these things up. Yeah. So I, I I I but I forgive that because I think again like. To, to stick that landing and to do it in a way that, that introduces three new characters mm -hmm. that will bring an entire new generation mm -hmm. into it, to, to have those three characters be black, Latino, and a woman. Oh, sure, yeah. Which I think, and, and I don't know that enough people appreciate this, but I think the movie is making so much money in part because of that, because... I know that my look at, look at fast, looking furious. Yeah, my yeah. those my, make money because of the the verse. Uh, the, uh, that's exactly diversity. right. Mm -hmm. But but my my seven year old niece, who I was like, hey, are you gonna see Star Wars? She was like, nope. And I was like, 
let me show you a picture of the the star of the movie. And I was like, are you going to see Star Wars? She's like, yep. <laughs> so I think like, and, and the other thing that I think is amazing about the movie is, is that it, it asks more questions than it answered. Like there are so many things that everyone is leaving like, well, who's Snoke? Like yep. who's Ray? Like who's Ray? And how she related to these people? Like I am geeked. I'm so much more excited for the next Star Wars. Yeah, movie I than will I was be there with you. I definitely. This one. And agree. that is no small feat. Yes, yeah, that's and, true. That's and a good that, point. And, and that comes around to I think the ultimate argument of ah, oh, it's exactly the same as Star Wars is. Uh, you don't know how much of a compliment that is because <laughs> because the mm -hmm. George Lucas's idea of the used universe. Now in this movie, she's living inside of a uh, an abandoned adat that has been destroyed. She's mm -hmm. stealing things from a a star destroyer that was destroyed on this on the the site of the final destruction of the Empire, which never, we never even saw it happen between movies. Like mm -hmm. the Return of the Jedi was just one more battle, but the Battle of Jakku is something that happens off screen. So George Lucas, and I'll tell you, man, it's, hey, when's the last time you watched Star Wars, by the way, Bart, at the actual episode four? It's been a long time and I've been wanting to see it. Well, that's an error. Very much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> De definitely check it out because I, I think you would be surprised at just how brilliant the storytelling is. Like, you remember everything from it, but yeah. when you when you watch it now under our more critical eye as adults, it is the most brilliant storytelling. He drops you in and explains nothing! Yeah. Nothing! There are people coming in in white suits and doing this and things, people saying this and the force and this, and it is coming a mile a minute. And then Han Solo enters, enters the picture, you know? <laughs> and in that vein, And so Adam, this movie does that as it, well. Well, this movie does that, but then someone comes along and explains everything you just saw, which if you watch it with just looking at the movie that way, all this stuff happens and Princess Leia comes in and goes, hey... I'm going to explain all the stuff that just happened. And they never did that in the first sure, movie. Sure, it's a bit of a tension and release. Oh, you it's, mean in episode seven? In, in, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just changed. It's just a little different, and it's weird. It's true. I and mean, the only other thing I will argue with you on I would like is, it more the is same. that the, the, <laughs> the movie that I thought was never going to be made, for me, the impossible movie was one, two, and three. It was Creed. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> How did that happen? And by the way, I got him on well, my net Rotoflex. Hey, uh, so, so Phantom Menace fun. was the movie we were never, ever going no, to see. It true. was the and thing I, that was never going to exist. I, I do appreciate that you know? yeah. from those. Well, for me, I went in, and as you know. And we finally got our Anakin, by the way. Kylo Ren is Anakin. He's the angry, petulant, and we get to watch someone turn to the dark side. We've never seen that before. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, well, Anakin didn't do it in the first three? I mean, he... Well, <sighs> Not, anyway. not in a great, great way. Yeah. As you know, I like the turn in this. Watching Kylo Ren make that very pained decision yeah. uh, that is missing from Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. So I went in, as you know, emotionally because that's yeah. all we were so emotionally yeah. hyped up to go into this movie. Yeah. Um, and so that's how I saw the first one. And sadly, at the end of it, I just wasn't that moved. I wasn't that. I wish I was more thrilled. I wish it was more something. Karen asked me, do you like it? I'm like, I guess. So then I had to watch it again a second time with the critical eye because I had to, something in the Very filmmaking that second or something. Viewing, don't you think? Well, I saw a little more charm and a little more of the excitement that people are thrilled about. But I, I, And I know we just beat it to death here, but I think it's just that familiarity of everything didn't wow me as anything new and exciting. I mean, people say that Empire Strikes Back is the best movie of all of them. That's because it had nothing to do with the first one. And to bring, I know this is, uh, you know, uh, again, Stephen Lewis, I think called this movie fan service because it's, Please like us again, if, and 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 they need to do that. You know, yeah. that's what the franchise needs to do to win. And obviously, and the next movie is going to be right? great. But, yeah, and by the way, the next and the but next movie, it's gonna if, be if I'm not great. mistaken, Ryan Johnson. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. now, but um, yeah. but then so I'm watching some of the original Hunt for Luke Skywalker, and it's like. Then Poe Dameron comes back from a half hour off screen, which I have a feeling we're going to find out what happened to him in the next movie. I think we're going to see for the first time in the Star Wars universe flashbacks mm. to, like, I think Han, mm. I think Harrison Ford signed up for the next movie. So I think we might see 
what happened before this movie, and we'll see maybe what happened to Poe Dameron for that half hour. He was just gone from the movie. He shows up and goes, hey, uh, sorry, I, know, I was right? gone. I was thrown from yeah. the TIE fighter. I left yeah, my jacket behind happened. somehow. Yeah. And let's go blow up a Death Star because that's what they do in these movies. <laughs> and so I kind of went, Why I was thrown that? clear. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Now, I know there's questions. Good thing questions I was wearing cool. my seatbelt because I was thrown clear. I know, and the other guy was just feeling horrible because yeah. he watched right. him die. Exactly. And he's like wearing his jacket. Yeah, he's yeah. just all like sad. I've always wanted to be thrown clear. And right when I get Thrown, I take my jacket off. And, and, but, uh, yeah. uh, and that's the same thing with the with the new Death Star is is, is that all it really suffers from is the weight of the planets it destroys because we don't see those until yeah, it's you destroying cut to them. like one alien BJ's brew house and, and then it blows up. Yeah. <laughs> and the going back to episode four and the things that are referred that we never see that are just off screen and before the movie. I mean, hundreds of things. I mean, honestly, you could watch Star Wars and go, this movie is horrible because everything happens before the movie or off screen yeah. or whatever. You know, you could do the same kind of thing. But the when Tarkin comes in and says the Imperial Senate will no longer, you know, da, 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 da. he's talking about the planet they destroy in this movie. But we don't realize that. I mean, I had to read that afterwards. I was like, oh, I mean, they said it. They said it's the seat of the the the, Dem the Senate or whatever. It's yeah. not Coruscant or whatever. But so anyway, it's like I think that only really suffers from the weight of like, uh, you know, and you know, they having it beat Princess Leia's planet means more in the first movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah than just exactly. five planets. We don't know who yeah. they are. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. This thing blows them up. And, and then you could get super geeky. Like some people were like, well, why would you build a Starkiller base on a planet that's going to be holding to an orbit and not travel around like a space station and blow up the whole <laughs> oh, universe? Interesting. They're kind of stuck there for the rest oh, of yeah, the ever. Yeah. You know? I never but, thought of um, that. But I guess it puts them in range of hey, the thing. You you know, know, puts them in range of the planets to blow up while the planets sit there and watch them build it. <laughs> but Paul, what the hell's going on over there? <laughs> but Paul, you know what that makes this What's movie? What's going on over there? Different <laughs> from Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said. will say one thing as we conclude I, I want this. Star Wars, well, so, but more well, so. Well, so, was, so were the prequels. It just they yeah. were as a compliment. Execution. This movie had just the right amount of lens flare. Perfect <laughs> yeah, amount. Yeah, when light was entering the lens, that's yeah. the only time. Not right? too much, not too little. Hey, Perfect amount of Let me wrap up by saying, if you love George, George Lucas's writing, why did Luke Skywalker get uh, put on Tatooine to escape from his father when that's where his father grew up and they gave Luke the name Skywalker? Anyway, that'll blow you. <laughs> but, but, but this is, no, but actually brings up a really good point. And this is like, for all the people who were like heavy fanboys of the original. Me. Uh, and, and did not like this one. Oh. They're like, there are just too many coincidences here. And there's like, I'm like, go back and watch the original movie again several years after you're eight and are seeing a movie for the first time in the yeah. theater. It, it has like the original Star Wars has its flaws. I know that's basically her heresy, like for a person in pop culture in 2016, but <laughs> it's true. Like for most people that saw the original Star Wars, that was like that was one of the first movies they saw in the theater. It was like the first heroin hit of cinematic ma cinematic mm. uh, magic, and you're never gonna like I've never done heroin, but you're like you're never gonna get that high again. <laughs> and so to try to compare the two is, is completely irrational because now you're an adult and you have a critical brain oh, and you can do different things. But I, that, but, but I did see it the first time emotionally. I did get, I did get high. I was pretty high yeah. that first time I saw it because <laughs> I mean I mean when Star Wars comes, on, I mean just the you know the the crash of the theme and a long time ago. Just and the all theme. Stuff all is just I like need wonderful. is the theme. Yeah. And I'm, I'm in there. Yeah. And then you know stormtroopers attacking and stuff. I mean, yeah, stormtroopers attack in episode one, two, and three, and there's no stormtroopers basically in uh, the other movies, but I need some stormtroopers stacking. I need uh, I need, uh, I need, need a Sith Lord. I would or, rather have seen the, the, the I mean, 
this is complete hindsight, but I may I might rather have seen the story of the rise. Like, how much di- more difficult would Kylo Ren's story be if he was the one building the Empire up, or whatever you want to call him, First Order, yeah. to then take over the Republic, as opposed to we've reset everything to where they're, they're already the Empire like they were at the beginning, yeah, and, we're, and we're seeing the uh, see... resistance, rebellion. Yeah, I no, feel like you're going to see that the timeline filled in along so the yeah. and that's when uh, I like this movie platforms. more. I mean, it's going to be you... they're going to be prequels, they're going to be television series, yeah. there's going to be wet. Yeah. Like, yeah. you're going to get that full timeline. The, they just made the decision to start the reboot it here, and I suspect. It is because two and three are going to be amazing. Luke yeah. Sky- well, the next one will be the Empire of the Trilogy, so we can all look forward. Yeah. <laughs> Luke Skywalker. Well, this one's allowed to be uh, the the an Empire of the Trilogy in a way because this is allowed to be a cliffhanger in a way the first one kind of wasn't. No, it's you know, a full movie because we know we know we're, we've got two more. There's yeah. no reason to create it in a vacuum in which that isn't what's going to happen. So so they did it. But uh, um, I forget my point. Uh, the point is, we saw other movies. Anyone want to talk about them or go to Karen's birthdays? Oh, um, actually, I, I real quickly have uh, one oh thing to say about movies that I saw, and that will get me into my Christmas Good. present, which is really oh, exciting. Yes, so I decided, um, because I finally had some time after the holidays, to just do a couple days of just watching movies. And I wanted to make sure I didn't waste my time. So I decided, since I love Bill Murray, I would go on, r- r- what is that called? Roku. Put in Bill Murray as my search, and then list all the movies. I think is how it's pronounced. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And so I went back to the beginning, and then I had to have another, because there's so many Bill Murray movies. I decided I'd only watch ones that were available through different subscribing services I already had. I wasn't going to buy the movie. Because you could rent Scrooged. Right. But I decided (laughs) not to. (laughs) But that brought me down a very interesting whole, different foxhole, too, because I, uh, I hit on the razor's edge, which... I'd never seen before, and I know that Bill Murray co-wrote it, and so I watched it, and I loved it. Okay. And partially Ooh. because um, I think if I'd seen it at the early part of his career, whenever I loved Stripes and all those movies, but and it, that's a movie like he did after that Stripes, movie right? at all. Oh no, it that's is foreshadowing movie. what we are getting today. The whole Bill Murray mm. living his life from moment to moment, taking in, going to a party, showing up, doing someone's dishes, showing up because <laughs> that friggin' movie <laughs> is about finding happiness. In every single moment. So hmm. I, it really spoke to me in that I regard as an adult and not worrying about where I am in the journey of my life as long as each moment matters. It makes this quilt much like improvisation where you don't know mm-hmm. what it's going to be and the, and the mistakes make the quilt. Wow. That and was for, really insightful to see that Bill uh, Murray back then. Yeah. And for anybody, that, anybody in the audience that doesn't know, The Razor's Edge is a very serious movie they did, yeah. like, I think, after Stripes. No, really? I, I think it was right after Ghostbusters. Right. And oh, was I think, it after Ghostbusters? I think it was part of his deal. Yes. Was like he, to say, oh, I'll yeah. do this, but I have to make it my was. passion project. And yeah. now, because the people who don't know a lot about Based Bill Murray are like, like even um, Bart a couple weeks ago, he said there was this weird interview where he was talking about uh, crazy stuff. This is all where it came from. Oh, he's always interview? been like this. Yeah, I think yeah, did, yeah. I think Ghostbusters was a huge hit. And he's then Razor's Edge tanked in 85, a year after Ghostbusters. Mm. They needed to see... Bill Murray again until like 88 when Scrooge came out. Like he yeah. kind of just went yeah. away for a bit. But then so after that, that elephant. the next one that was free up the list, you know, a whole bunch of stuff went by. Kingpin, kind of great. Nice. Oh, Can't go wrong nice. with Kingpin. I forgot how much I loved that movie. Wow. Then, Especially Bill Murray. Oh, yeah. he's so funny. He's so then I went up a couple more and, you know, they weren't free. And then I get to Limits of Control. Never heard Jim of Jim Jarvis. Oh, Jim. Oh, my oh. goodness. Oh, Jim. 
Wow. I was a little angry that that happened to me. Is this more of a ghost dog, Jim Jarmusch, or more of a... I liked Broken Flowers. It's not not ghost. A little more... Dead man, maybe. More dead man, maybe. Because that was so uncomfortable, and the only good thing about that movie, and Bart, you might want to check it out, is there's a woman... Boobs. Who's just naked. Oh, yeah. Just beautiful, but naked, beautiful. At one point, she puts on a see-through um, raincoat and says, how does this look? <laughs> you, what what was like, that again called? It's called, called, called The Limits of Control. Just flip by that. Yeah. You'll, it's <laughs> worth that. And then I couldn't take it anymore, so I said, screw it. I took meatballs <laughs> off the shelf and stuck meatballs in because I needed it to end in a good way. There you go. Now, the, all that happened, and I want to tell you guys, this is the first I've seen you since Christmas. Um, so for Christmas, Paul got me tickets to go to Bill Murray's Caddyshack golf event. Oh, wow. With his brothers and everything. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. That's and awesome. And, and that makes up thing. for limits of control. That does make up for the limits of <laughs> Big control. Big charity event. It helps out. Uh, last year, I think they're going to do this again this year. They they The whole thing went to providing motorized wheelchairs to veterans. Yeah, amazing. So, yeah. That's a great. And all the Murray brothers are there in their place in Florida. And so then at fun. night, he's they have like parties and then they have a band. I think Hootie and the Blowfish has played before. And then people just get up and sing and act nutty. It's going to be great. Uh, I, uh, yeah. Can I make one more point before we get on the birthdays? Because sure. I, I started this point earlier, and I think it's a great summary for Star Wars and this year in movies. Go ahead. Okay. Yes. Uh, and I, I'll do it in two sentences. A lot of remakes. Uh, well, it, it is the <laughs> yes. it is the fan fiction era of movies. Yeah, Ghostbusters th- is coming. This is this is uh, Kevin Smith called this out, and I had this thought when Han Solo is talking to the two other pirates that he has messed over, which is a great thing that they brought back that Han Solo is always a scoundrel cutting deals and yeah everybody's out to get him and there's nowhere to run for Han Solo I love having that back as much as it might be exactly like Star Wars but uh (laughs) but in that moment I thought I had this feeling of like I was like this feels like a Star Wars comic like Marvel did a hundred Star Wars comics you know that aren't official canon uh there was there were Han Solo books Han Solo's at Star's End Han Solo's Revenge Han Solo and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull I can't remember but they there was a bunch of them <laughs> yes. And so there was moments I was like, this really feels like reading one of those Brian Daly novels of Han Solo. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Kevin Smith really called it out that this is the fan fiction Star Wars movie. But I think this is like the fan fiction era of movies as well, in a good way. Jurassic yep. World was a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Creed was a great thing. Yeah. And I think uh, in episode seven, be- because no matter what you think about it, about it, this might be the biggest thing that's happened in the history of movies. It really is gigantic in a huge way because for Star Wars being the biggest thing almost in the history of movies. No, as of today, official biggest domestic Well, yeah, movie yeah, ever. I mean, I mean money-wise, but I just mean yeah. even like a pop cultural yeah. event. And no, I agree. And it's the, this is the third generation that's enjoying Star Wars and all this sort of stuff. It's it's, uh, it's just, it's interesting. It's like, and and fans are making these movies. You know, this yeah. is made by a legitimate Star Wars yeah. fan. And Creed, same thing. Creed and the same thing. Yeah, same Jurassic thing as Jurassic World. World. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's just cool. It's cool. I like it. The, the, the fan fiction era of, uh, of movies. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll continue this conversation at the diner. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but uh, well, and first. then I'll talk about uh, Hateful Eight and the Good Dinosaur, Joy, Daddy's Home and Sisters that I also saw <laughs> next week. Uh, but let's get to the finale with uh, Karen's weekly look at the birthdays That's of right. those who make the movies. Take it away. All right, let's start off our week of birthdays by wishing a very happy birthday to Mr. Bradley Cooper. Hey. He turns 40 and he can play anywhere from a nice guy to a real dick. 
How? Yes. When? Where? <laughs> he says he started off as a nice guy, and then one time he played a mean guy, and then people were like, we can't have him as a nice guy because he's such a dick. And he's like, I'm acting. Well, he was a bad guy <laughs> in uh, Wedding Crashers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he put on a whole bunch of weight and everything, so he would seem more intimidating, but he's really, that's not his normal body structure. He was probably a jerk and burnt, too, but I didn't see that. He had to remind people that he yeah, was he acting? That's hilarious. <laughs> as a matter of fact, he is an alumnus of the actor's studio and the very first one to be interviewed as a guest on Inside the Actor's Studio. After after having actually gone to the actor studio, which is kind of well, cool, that became a big thing when they showed when he became big. They showed his clips. He was seen in the audience viral, on two yeah. episodes. One was when Robert De Niro uh, was guest hosting or guest starring, whatever they do. They interview the guest, and again when Sean Penn did it, which is kind of ironic because mm-hmm. then he went on to. Um, I think it says here he taped an audition for a role as Robert De Niro's son and Everybody's Fine. And actually his mom was reading opposite him in the audition <laughs> tape. But he didn't get the part. It went to oh. Sam Rockwell. Well, but, there's that great Louis C.K. bit where Louis C.K. talks about all these oh, yeah, wa- yeah. Want, wannabe actors in the actor's studio asking their questions to famous people. And he goes on and on about how you will never be a famous person. <laughs> and somebody and then, has intercut Bradley Cooper yeah. asking these questions That's with that bit. And then, of course, we know he eventually went on to star with Robert De Niro in Limitless. And oh, again, as a father and son, they were together in Silver Linings Playbook. So clearly his mom is a very good reader. That's all I really took <laughs> from that. There we go. Shout out to the mom. <laughs> mom is a great reader. <laughs> now, we all know that he is starring in Joy with Jennifer Lawrence, but what other three movies, I throw it to the table, did they work together in? So Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence, they worked together in three other movies. Well, they're in Joy yeah. right now. Yes, but that doesn't count. Now three other times. Silver Linings. Serena. Lines. Serena, Serena perfect. Oh, Is that wow. the British one? Mockingjay 2, 3, and 4. <laughs> no. No, no, no. There's oh, one oh, more. American, American, Hustle. American Hustle. American Hustle. Uh, Good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. American so, Hustle. <laughs> and let's continue our week of pretty men having birthdays. As sure we thing. wish a happy Mine was birthday. last month, Karen. <laughs> what? Hmm? <laughs> We're going to wish a happy birthday to Barr and to pretty Eddie Redmayne, who turns 34 and can play anywhere from a genius to a woman. Same thing. The <laughs> lateral move. I waited for two weeks to say that joke. Thank you. He's in like another super serious movie for Oscars. Time, yeah, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Danish he girl. He plays a woman. He, play, oh. he actually he said he prepared oh. for that by going to an all boys school and played many women when I was a kid. His first professional job though was playing viola in Twelfth Night. Yeah. So dressing up as a woman wasn't all that new to him. He's a transgender, right? I, mean, I don't uh, want to say oh, he yeah, plays yeah, a yeah, woman. Yeah, yeah. The, the film. Kid. This is so interesting. The film was directed by Tom Hooper whom Redmayne had worked Uba! with him, in, in Les Miserables, right? And the filmmaker claims that the actor is ideal for the part in The Danish Girl because of his gender fluidity. Bart, do you feel comfortable with your gender fluidity? I don't feel comfortable with my fluidity. <laughs> I don't care. I don't gender feel comfortable. <laughs> I, I had to buy a special underwear because of that. <laughs> now, he, Eddie Redmayne said one of the most interesting things about becoming a celebrity, and this is something I never would have thought of, is that he was on a plane and he fell asleep. And when he woke up, the man next to me asked, excuse me, are you somebody important? And he goes, what are you talking about? And he looked confused. The man said, I'm only asking because while you were sleeping, the stewardess came up and was staring at you. Oh. <laughs> if somebody asks you if you're somebody important, you, you say, say yes. yes. Exactly. Oh, my God, Daisy, it's the guy from Jupiter. And they all stare at him. <laughs> oh, that is so that's weird. <laughs> that is so weird. But um, now... <laughs> Now, Bart, you know how much I love when celebrities sing. This is true, Franklin. People, yes. uh, 
come up to me all the time. All the and time. they say, tell me two interesting things about Karen Volpe. <laughs> what do you say? And the first thing I tell them is, she don't need no goddamn New Year's resolutions. Can't improve on perfection. Oh, two. Yeah, thank you, certainly. Two. She loves when celebrities sing. I do love when celebrities <laughs> sing. And we all know that Eddie Redmayne was in Les Miserables, right? Right. But we also know that he played Stephen Hawking's. Yes. And I found the most amazing thing online. Oh, I'm going to no. play for you now a little Stephen Hawking singing Monty oh, Python's no. Galaxy Song. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> and this is absolutely true. It's real. Yeah. And it's amazing. This isn't a Family this, Guy bit? No. no. And this song's amazing. <laughs> and this like song's a, amazing. You forget how great this it's song amazing. is. It makes me feel so good. And it's really Stephen Hawking. Oh. He's great. Oh. Oh my god. It makes you so happy. But this is Eddie Redman as No, Steve this Hawking. is Stephen Hawking. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, this is brilliant. <laughs> that is brilliant. That's and there's a little video with it, and it's so adorable. Because they have him, he's reading it, and he's smiling, and it's so cool. I listen to all of our shows, of course. I can't wait to hear this part again. <laughs> that's amazing. I remember when I saw the theory of everything, I think that's what I told you, is that Eddie, the way Eddie Redmayne played Stephen Hawking, he smiled, smiled all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, I think I have problems. <laughs> well, this, guy, this guy smiles all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I should have learned from that. It's been a year later. I'm still working on it. But I'm working on it. All right. Well, that's uh, that's the show, everybody. Together, we're the movie guys. Individually, we are. Guys. You can follow us on Twitter at The Movie Guys for daily jokes and links. Also, Facebook.com slash The Movie Guys. iTunes, Vimeo, YouTube, SoundCloud, Vine, Instagram, all that shit. Thanks to Franklin Leonard. No, I, I, Thank you guys for having me. I have neglected to put this up yet. If you just search the blacklist, if someone wanted to, it's going to come up. But yeah. the actual website name is... Yeah, it's, it's blacklist with no vowels. So B-L-C-K-L-S-T dot com. Okay. Also, check out our podcast, Blacklist Table Reads. Yes, it's fantastic. Cool. And social? Uh, the B L C K L S T. Oh, sorry. Uh, it's uh, Twitter is the B-L-C-K-L-S-T. Um, I think it's the same thing on Instagram. We're around. Just Google us. All right, cool. Uh, also, check out DigitalMindProductions.com. My production company helps make this show and many other fine video mm -hmm. productions. And fine, helps us live indoors. Uh -huh. The Boobay Sisters, mm -hmm. B-O-O-B-E, and they're done with their rousing uh, round of uh, holiday shows and looking for whatever's next. Mm -hmm. uh, also, thanks to Steve Scholes for his writing contributions to the show every week. And as always, we owe everything to Pat, Pat Peach. Peach. Next week, we're back with a preview of a movie about Benghazi made by Michael Bay. That's not a sketch. <laughs> <laughs> we're actually talking about it. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> and there's intelligent life somewhere out in space. Oh, there's bugger all down here on Earth. <laughs>